This episode of Robin Akiva and Need a Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at True Car 60 Seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial is going to last. You know what else you can do in about a minute? You can get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, to pet your dog, or spin the wheel. Or just listen to my voice. You can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or from your home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. You'll get an accurate true cash offer from a True Car local certified dealer. It's that easy. And after that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers that you need. After that, you can bring in your car and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and they'll get the answers that you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Yeah, that is all right. Robin Akiva Nita podcast is back. And it turns out it's not every weekend you better attend. We've been a little bit off our schedule here after our trip to mini Renapolis. And then uh, Akiva has been traveling all around the world. But here he is uh, back with us uh, in his usual <laughs> setup. Here is the co-host of Robin Akiva, Need a Podcast, the great Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Yeah, I, I, we've only done, I think, one of these since uh, Minnesota, right? I, I think, are, yeah. can we commit to getting back on the wagon, or we never remember if it's on the wagon or off the wagon, mm-hmm. for, the, like, I think the next few weeks, hey, we won't take a week off. Compared to the 32 Fans podcast, uh, we are steady eddies. People st- have been starting threads saying, is there strife in the Wieneker Chester household? <laughs> Did millennials kill the 32 Fans podcast, is it's what possible. people are wondering. <laughs> Chester's I'm famously the world's oldest millennial. So if you're one day older than me, you are not a millennial. And Chester's like four months older than me, so he is Gen X or whatever. So he is not he is not a millennial. So mm-hmm. I don't know if millennials killed it or if it was him. Yeah. Okay. So you were doing a lot of traveling and now here we are we are back on our format. And then so uh if we're you're hearing this probably on uh Thursday or Friday, uh the eighth or ninth. Then the following weekend, we will be back with episode number 45. So that's what's going on. I uh, talked about Three's Company last time out. Uh, very, very fun. Uh, I saw a, uh, a comment on the podcast. Uh, Jenny Autumn said, we use the word horny way too much. She, that, that, that word, she says, uh, we're, should be canceled. Yeah, she wants us to say thirsty from now on. This is, <laughs> what, this is what, you know, we get the youths involved. They tell us the cool things. I don't think I said horny so much. Uh, was it was it Scott? Who was who was the main horny? I think it was uh, probably Scott. I mean, but that's yeah. what the show is. It was that yeah. you know uh, Jack Tripper uh, is uh, yeah. looking for love in all the wrong places often. Yeah, it was very thirsty. Yes. Okay. All right. And this is Roper. I mean, uh, you look up horny in a dictionary. If the yeah. millennials haven't killed those off yet, and that's you find I, a picture I, of Mrs. Roper. Ironically, we've been asked not to say the word horny, and we've dropped the H-bomb like <laughs> 10 times since since the podcast. Okay. All right. 
Let's bring in our guest here today to take us through all of the things that millennials have either killed off or are killing off, that she is a longtime contributor and friend to Rob Has a Podcast. Please welcome in, and I guess this is probably a second appearance. I think we called her at one point. I'm not sure if she called into the call-in show. Please welcome in Dr. Amanda Rabinowitz. (laughs) Dr. Amanda, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me on. Um, and thank you for referring to me by my full professional title as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, Amanda, how did you become an expert in what millennials have killed? Um, so I, it would probably be misleading for me to present myself as an expert. That's not actually what my doctorate is in, um, you know, millennial culture. Millennial um, studies. <laughs> I'm not a doctor of millennial studies. And actually, as somebody who is more than one day older than Akiva, I guess I cannot call myself a millennial. I'm probably an exennial, I think. Um, but I, I just got, I was interested in this topic because I, I always love when, uh, you have done on the podcast, Rob, and with Akiva, you've done the sort of Rob has a PR firm treatment yes. of, Things that um, seem to be struggling in their popularity. Um, And I thought that this could be a good mechanism for sort of talking about what are some products or industries or um, things that are, um, you know, falling on hard times. And can we rebrand these things for the millennial audience? Mm -hmm. Yes. Once Akiva and I famously in the Seinfeld podcast that uh, we completely rebranded baloney as American salami. Yeah, it's been and it's been, uh, you know, just (laughs) money ever since then. It's just been raking in the cash. American salami has taken over a nation. Yeah, huge lunch meat of uh, the next generation anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Okay. All right. So we're excited to uh, get into all of that. Uh, What else is going on in your world, Amanda? Um, well, let's see. So I, uh, I alluded to, uh, you know, my appreciation for you referring to me as Dr. Amanda Rabinowitz, which is something that, um, I credit Akiva with once, um, you know, correcting you when you, uh, you know, when you were referring to me saying that's Dr. Amanda Rabinowitz to you. And thanks. But is it not to Akiva? Is he on like, are you guys on some sort of familiar basis where it's I have to use the the formal Dr. Rabinowitz and Akiva? Well, I call her by her married name. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I actually um, I've, I'm a Dr. Amanda Rabinowitz. I was born with that full name, um, including the doctor. No, actually. So I am a doctor. Uh, I do have a doctorate in psychology, but in my professional life, people don't, you know, recognize me with that title. I think it's a little bit, I'm in a medical setting and I'm not a physician. I'm a woman. I'm a little bit younger. Um, so for all of those reasons, I seldom get referred to as doctor. But now in the RHAB community, for the first time, people are calling me doctor more than they ever have in my career. So um, it's something that's been very cool and I'm very grateful. Okay, so Akiva has done a yeah. rebranding on you. I know. Yes, exactly. But the, the truth is, Amanda is sort of our natural enemy because she, I think one of her main fields of study is uh, CTE. And, uh, you know, she is anti-football. And so, you know, we're anti, we're anti people who are anti-football. 
Okay. We're pro. This is a pro CT podcast. So you're, you're <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you want to position yourself in the pro CTE side, but that is one of mm-hmm. the things I study is the long term. Okay, we're CTE effects. neutral. I, I feel. Like. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So Amanda, I guess let's let's open up this uh, discussion now. Did you do all this research yourself or were there listener submissions for the things that the millennials have killed off? Um, So I did get listener submissions. So there were a lot of great suggestions from listeners. Um, I wasn't able to incorporate all of those submissions, but I also did a lot of research myself just looking at um, what was trending in social media and what's been covered in the news. I'm trying to find, you know, these. And then, and then for each of the items that I found, I sort of tried to dig in to see, you know, what was the case for the claim that millennials had killed this and, um, and, and, and then um, dig into what, you know, what, what was, um, you know, where did this claim come from and um, what evidence supports it? Okay. All right. Are these in any particular order, Amanda? They're not in any particular order. Um, so I sort of, yeah, though I don't, I haven't arranged them in any particular order. We can sort of go, um, you know, we could, um, you guys could pick a number between one and 14, or I could go in the, you know, order that they have. This is not a, uh, Jordan Kalish, uh, joint here. If she had added two more, we could have done a millennials killed at bracket, Rob. Yeah. Although it is not March, so we would have had to call it a tourney. Tourney. Okay. All right. So, uh, you just take us through your list so that we we trust your numbering. Sure. And, but, but there was one thing I did want to suggest, um, that we could maybe do, um, that we could sort of work towards by the end of this podcast. I was wondering if we could pick one of these things, um, one of the 14 items that I have in this list, if we could pick one and sort of try to see if Renap can launch a social media campaign. Yeah. We can stand something that the millennials have killed. I think that's fair, right? Akiva? Well, what, what if the millennials killed King Cake Baby and then we're just double standing King Cake Baby? <laughs> well, we know for a fact that millennials have not ki- you know, killed off the King Cake Baby. Well, it hasn't tweeted since we named, uh, since we named the King Cake yeah, Baby. Yeah, but it's just King. not um, King Cake Baby season. That's true. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes. Is the King Cake Baby a king or is it a King Cake Baby or is it the king of the cake babies? I've been wondering this while I've been traveling this last <laughs> week. Hmm. Yeah, would he be more of a prince because he's a baby? Well, why is his name King? Like, is he the king of the cake babies or is he a baby that's a king cake? Well, he wears a crown, right? Yeah, that is true. So I think that he is, is so does royalty Jughead in the yeah. comics, but not in the show. The king cake is a is a cake, and then he is the yeah. baby of the cake. So is he himself a king? Well, he means so. Rob's right. Maybe he's the prince then, because his parent <laughs> is the king. Yeah. Um, sure. So he wears a crown. And then he has a bib that says, uh, I love King Cake. Yeah. I heart King Cake. Which is a weird move. Like, imagine if, like, if, like, Queen Elizabeth started wearing a bib that said, I love Queen Elizabeth. People would, people would think that was strange. Well, yeah. She's 100. Maybe they'd be fine with it. Mm, Yeah. So I think he, the King Cake is a, is a proper noun. I think that's a thing. He loves that thing. So he's Mm -hmm. not saying he loves himself. Uh, but I think coincidence that he is A, a king and B, King Cake itself? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Write in, King Cake, baby. I'm sure you listen. All right. All right. Amanda, let's get into your list. Okay. Um, so the first item I have here, and this is something that was suggested to me by um, a number of listeners, and I also found this in 
my own research, um, the first thing that millennials killed is the top sheet. Yes. Yes. Mm. Top sheet. Okay. Can you explain what a top sheet is? Because I've, I've heard this before. The millennials have killed the top sheet. And I say, I don't really know what a top sheet is. So I think that the top sheet is what I would probably refer to as a flat sheet. So this is not the fitted sheet that would go on your mattress, but this is a flat sheet that would go on top of the um, of your mattress with the fitted sheet, and then your um, heavier blanket or quilt mm-hmm. or duvet would go on top of the top sheet. Yeah. So pretend there's an empty bed. There's just a mattress. So you're putting mm-hmm. on the fir- the fitted sheet and then a top sheet and then a blanket. So there's three things on the bed. Are we being clear? Yes, that is okay. correct. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a question as as other adults. OK, how much bed yeah. making is going on yeah, at your houses? Because I, that uh, I that between myself and the first lady of podcasting, I would say that in our I guess that we're on like 13 years of domiciling together. Is that a mm-hmm. word, Amanda? Cohabitation. Co- yeah, sure. a cohabitation. I, I think our bed has been made about six times. Yeah. This is very I comforting to hear. I've never we made not, my bed. We are not. We are not. <laughs> yeah. So, so Akiva, you're on the same page. You don't make your bed. Yeah, I, yeah. The over under was a half time in my life, and the answer on visiting day <laughs> in summer camp, you had to make your bed right. before the parents come in. But that's about that's the last time I did it. Right. Yeah, we are. We we do not. Um, we do not frequently make the bed either i think we probably try to do it like i don't know maybe once or twice a month like if you know if we're getting clean i i what well in any event we are not bed makers my kids don't have their beds made um very frequently i know that that there are people who think making the bed is very important yeah no i've heard that there's like a uh you know a ted talk about you know make your bed every day and then you will end up you know it's like you've accomplished something and it gives you gets you on the the right foot but yeah i forget top sheet i I think that making the bed the millennials uh might have killed off and it might have been dead before the millennials even got here so that's a good question so the evidence for this millennials kill the top sheet claim as far as i can tell this is only comes from a a viral tweet that was then picked up and incorporated into various listicles on you know buzzfeed and other um you know other websites so the first question I have for you is, do you think that millennials, in fact, are to blame for the demise of the top sheet? I think this predates the millennials, Akiva. But I think our parents were more proper. Like I bet on, our, first of all, our parents are probably more likely to make their beds, right? I've never seen my mom's bed not made. And I think there's like, it also looks like there's like eight different sheets and blankets going on on, on like a parent type of bed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have pillows, way more stuff right. on the bed than a lot, lot of extra pillows. pillows, extra pillows. But right. I think millennials have pillows also. Like yeah. moms like pillows, but I think I think I think pillows were not killed by millennials. Right. I think pillows might be making a comeback. Like my mom, I think has never not made the bed one day in her mm-hmm. life. A hundred percent. So everyone's mom makes their bed. It's maybe it's a, did we do it? Gen, Gen X killed the top sheet. Yeah, I, I don't really identify, self-identify as a Xennial like uh, Amanda mm-hmm. does. So I guess I would be speaking as, uh, I'm sort of a, a young Gen Xer. 
Uh, and that's how I like to. Uh, I, I'm the world's youngest Gen Xer, Kiva. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're yeah we're we're at an interesting thing where uh we're we're you know, I think Amanda's basically smack in between me and you who are about right. four or five years apart. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. And I. Uh. Yeah. So we're not. We don't really have any Gen Z on the podcast, but for something like this, which is older, I do think it was starting to go out before we were there. We were also Rob in a hotel recently and famously in hotels there's 30 things on a bed right there's an yeah. endless number of sheets and then there's right. like four different duvet blanket things. right where where are you supposed to sleep in a hotel what because people always say like, oh hotels never wash the giant blanket it's not even possible to put one of those in a washing machine sometimes like they're too big you'd need to maybe an industrial washing machine well this, so what are you supposed uh, to sleep yeah. under there so this Akiva, I think you've zeroed in on the number one pro for the top sheet is that it's easier to clean. So it's cleaner. I, so I think in a hotel, you want to sleep underneath the top sheet. So there's something between you and the heavy blanket. Oh, I also think younger people, uh, like every guy I know, uh, and I think basically everyone now, people sleep in like, no one sleeps on a nightgown anymore, really. I feel like people like you're lucky if they're sleeping in their in their underwear. Which, yeah, which Wait, makes it like in the in unless you're in freezing cold air yeah. conditioning. Well, I, I want need a blanket. I want to go back to what uh, Amanda was saying. So the top sheet is under the comforter. Yes, the top sheet is under the comforter. Wait, but then, how is why is it called the top sheet? Yeah, it should be the middle sheet. I think it's the topmost sheet, but maybe not the uh-huh. topmost bed item ah. of bedding. So the millennials made it. You just sleep under a comforter. That's what you said. That's, there's no sheets on the bed. There's like a fitted so you sheet. Have, you have a fitted sheet. Yeah. You have a fitted sheet. And then um, traditionally you would have the fitted sheet and then you would have the top sheet on top of the fitted sheet and then the blanket on top. No, I have of that. The... So I have a t- I have a top you sheet. You have it. A... Okay. Yeah, that okay. seems crazy that uh, you know, <laughs> to just have a just have a comforter. It's too hot. Too hot <laughs> under that comforter. Yeah, that is way too much. Have either of you guys ever been in a scenario, maybe college-ish, where uh, you just slept on a mattress like no sheet or anything? Rob, you never did that in college? So, uh, yeah, I I <laughs> um <laughs> I, I I one one time I was someplace and uh, the the person whose room that I that I went to they did they, they did not have a, any sort of bedding I I, I recall oh, that uh, but is, I, that's really disconcerting I think I'd rather yeah. sleep on the floor yeah the the, the famous one the famous uh, Uncle Kiwi story of of sleeping with no sheet is uh, I couldn't find my sheet one night at like three a.m. in my gap year abroad after high school before college. And um, we we I, I had a cup of uh, noodles or something, and I spilled it, and, <laughs> oh, and I passed out. I passed out on the noodles on the, on the mattress. And I think I think my roommate, who's my friend, I think he like sent the picture to my mom or something. Yeah, He's like, this is what you've done. Akiva, human oh, being that you're I feel like you for. have a a lot of cup of noodles uh, blooper stories. Yes, I, well, I have two. The one where I, I almost burned down my college dorm, and then this one. I'm not like a cup of noodles maniac where I just eat like a cup of noodles every day. Yeah. But both both times, yeah. I fell burned down the college dorm almost with one and I fell asleep in the spilled cup of noodles at like four AM. Yeah. Okay. So Amanda, do we have any reasoning why why don't millennials want a, a sheet underneath the comforter? 
Okay, so the major cons of the sheet underneath the comforter is that it's an extra thing that you need to, you know, wash and fold and make on the bed. Um, it can bunch and kind of get lost in the bedding. Mm-hmm. Um, to my, those are the two downsides mm-hmm. I think that I that I've identified as why millennials are rejecting the top sheet. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think that the top sheet needs a rebranding. I think that maybe if it didn't okay. have a, a bad name, Akiva, maybe more people would use it. Ooh, okay. So well, that's why we're here. We have yeah. we're, we're, Rob needs a PR firm here. What do you have? Mm, should it be some sort of like a? Is it the pre comforter? Is it something yeah. sort of like? <laughs> I wouldn't say pre comforter. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. Well, look. <laughs> you could throw it in the washing machine. Yeah, it's easy to clean. Easy to clean. Yeah, okay. mini comforter. Why mini? No, you can sell it for less if you name it mini. Mini means you have to sell it for half the price. Okay. Hmm. So, but it's super comforter. Mm, super comforter. Well, super comforter. I would think would be heavier. Yeah, heavier than the blanket. Uh, uh, there's a down blanket. What about an up blanket? Hmm. <sighs> It's like I the windbreaker need- of blankets. Yeah, it is. That's exactly. It's exactly um, the windbreaker of 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 uh, of sheets. See, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like if the top sheet didn't already exist, but there was like some Instagram ad for this like super travel friendly blanket that was organic cost. I can feel like I could see this being like one of those startup product ideas that. Mm-hmm. That ends up in your social media ad is something like, oh, look at this person folding it and putting it in a backpack and taking it on the plane and traveling mm-hmm. with their cup. Maybe if it was a travel blanket. Travel so, blanket. Yeah. That's good. I like it. Uh, but then would you have it in your house? Would yeah, you, it, you don't no want that filthy the blanket that's on house. the plane. But I do house. like the idea of like selling people stuff they don't need. Uh, in particular, like this sheet that right. they could bring to the hotel. But who's going to put their own sheet, Amanda, on a on a hotel bed? I don't think anyone's going to do that. <laughs> right. I mean, what the selling points are is that this is breathable. You're not going to be sweating uh-huh. like under that comforter. So this is like a, you know, it gives you some protection from the elements of the room. But it's not going to, uh, you know, keep you hot and sweaty. Yeah, I was thinking bed protector, but that sounds too much like a pea sheet, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think, right. I think that already exists. Um, so I think we have some really good, I think we have some good ideas here. I like breathable, lightweight. I think that those are good words. Um, do you want to get back to this if this is the item that yeah. we decide we're going to yeah. go I'm all in I'm not sure this is going to be what we're saying. And also, I think for some of them, Amanda, we were saying, uh, we can, you know, we can also determine if millennials did indeed kill no, it or ge- if it has not been killed. Yeah. Well, I think that so Gen X killed making the bed. I guess mm-hmm, millennials yes. have killed the top sheet because I still okay. have one and I'm not a millennial. Okay. Maybe. And I, yeah. And I, mean, I do they, not have the, one. Mm. And people I have an very strong takes on this, right? I think it was in in one of your Facebook groups once, and it was like a, a real, you know, there's a lot of vitriol going back and forth about the top sheet. Yeah. Okay. Now, Amanda, you mentioned a viral tweet about the mm-hmm. top sheet, and I couldn't help notice that at the day that we announced, okay, we are going to do episode number 43, Millennials Killed It, there was another viral tweet about a uh, woman who claimed that Millennials killed Disneyland. 
did. Oh, is, yeah. is, is Disneyland coming up in your list? I have Disney on the list, but we can get to that now because this is a different, this is the Disneyland case is sort of a separate type of thing. Cause most of the things we'll talk about are things that millennials have killed by neglecting or turning away from or losing interest in. Um, but this Disney was the one item that millennials have killed apparently by going to Disney, by mm-hmm. being, by Disney being very popular with millennials. Mm. Okay. So you're talking about that Disney, not necessarily the theme park, but you're talking about the movies. So the this was this viral tweet, which yes. um, I'm not going to read the viral tweet in its entirety because it. I think <laughs> a lot that of mal- all caps, a lot of right. a lot of angry red face emoji. Right, and um, and you know, and some terms that you know I would not use that are not very woke mm-hmm. to refer to people as, but um. This woman was upset that childless millennials go to Disney mm-hmm. and um, it makes the experience less pleasant for the people who are going there with their family. Um, so um, just to just to touch on some of her experience, um, she says that um, millennials throw away their money on useless crap. Mm-hmm. They have no idea the joy and happiness it is to mothers who buy their babies treats and toys. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman was very mad that a childless woman was getting a Mickey Mouse pretzel. <laughs> and it meant that the line was longer for her three-year-old to yes. get a Mickey Mouse pretzel. Not, well, not only was she childless, but uh, that the woman who made the post uh, felt like that she was uh, dressed in a provocative fashion for Disneyland also. Right. Disney World. Right. Yeah. Goofy has never seen things mm-hmm. like that before. I, it's, it was such a weird complaint also because, like, I get the idea of, like, oh, too many kids or, you know, too many adults. Not, I'm not agreeing with it, but, like, the idea that, like, oh, the line was five people instead of four for a pretzel is such a specifically stupid complaint. It's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. But a lot of the things millennials killed that I'm sure are on Amanda's list are millennials killed this by not using it anymore. And so it's not going to exist like a newspaper, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is millennials are killing it by using it too much, which is which is, I think, interesting. Um, why can't if, if Disneyland is so popular and I see so many complaints about Disneyland and Disney World having long lines and I don't want to get uh, T-Dub, may he rest in peace on this, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the, uh, you know, involved here, like the, the Disney freaks, like why doesn't Disney just like make their parks bigger, especially in Orlando where they have room? Like, why don't they just like double the amount of rides? If it's so crowded and it's that it's miserable. Well, I think that this is a, a newer phenomenon where I think that Disneyland, Disney World, uh, I think that maybe 20 years ago, no adults would visit Disneyland or Disney World mm-hmm. without children. And forget uh, nobody would ever in their right mind have a bachelor party at a no. uh, Disney theme park. <laughs> well, still, uh, that I think we could agree. Still, no one in their right mind would have a bachelor <laughs> in- party. Insane. Totally insane. <laughs> but now I feel like that the millennials and I think that sort of the knock on millennials is that, hey, when are you going to grow up and the state of being a millennial that, you know, into your 20s and 30s, you still are into a lot of the same activities that you were into as a teenager. So now it's like, hey, I don't need my parents to take me to Disney World or Disneyland. I can go there myself. I have my own money or I have my parents money and I'm going to Disneyland by myself. I don't need to be a kid that gets brought there by their adults. And I think that 
in its inception, I think that that's what the Disney theme parks were about of take your kids. It's for a, you know, every parent's duty to at some point take their kids to one of these theme parks. The idea of any of our parents going, you know, going just without kids, without us to Disney World would be like unfathomable. That's insane. Right? That's mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Insane. Yeah. But every single, but we all know many people who do it now. I, I do wonder if it skews slightly L.A. to Orlando, where I feel like I don't have a lot of uh, L.A. friends in my IRL, but uh, in, in your world, Rob, I feel like everyone who lives in Los Angeles just lives at Disneyland. It's just we. I just see like Facebook is a lot of pictures of people yeah. at Disneyland every day. A lot of people have the passes and they yeah. go the year, annual passes year round. or they're going, you know, like every day off. Yeah, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. I but I will say like I went with my wife before we had children once with with a group of friends, and it is definitely fun. Like you definitely should do it. But I there was a couple of rides like, oh, do we really need to be on like it's a small world without kids? I feel like we should be arrested, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a Disney fanatic at all. I haven't been since I was, you know, six years old or something. But my understanding is that Disney as a brand, like as a resort brand, has focused more on attracting these young adult customers. So it's Mm -hmm. not only that tastes are changing. It's also that I think that, you know, there's Disney honeymoon packages that they've Mm -hmm. kind of actively tried to cultivate that that market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, right. They have tried to cater to that audience where in the 1950s and and, and 60s, you know, everything at Disneyland was really catered towards very young people. And they have, you know, uh, increasingly added more attractions to uh, cater to uh, not just the little kids. So it's by design also. And some of the side parks, I think, are are much more adult friendly, also, especially in Orlando when they have they have more of them and they're larger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. So, like, did they kill it? Like, it's I not dead. See every, it, it's not dead. First of all, have they killed but the going it, with your it, children yeah. experience? Is it then? ruined for families? Yeah, I don't think so. I could see how like going on three rides. Like my sister went uh, during Easter slash like Passover week uh, two years ago, and she said like, "Yeah, you're going knowing that you're going on three or four rides the whole day because the lines are." long and as a person who doesn't mind take like i actually enjoy taking my kids even though i don't like the outdoors i enjoy taking my kids these parks because they have so much fun but i detest lions right so waiting waiting on lines to me is like the worst thing on earth you could do yeah i'd rather go on like the worst ride a hundred times than wait two hours for the best ride but when i'm waiting 40 minutes for mr toad's wild ride it's not because there's a bunch of millennials that are on the line so i feel like that they're there they're in the park they're doing their own thing and maybe mm-hmm. the park in general is more crowded, but they are not at the same attractions that you are trying to take your three and four year old kids to. Right. And they're not waiting online. Like, right. The line for Elsa is three hours. And I, mostly that's that's, you know, little kids waiting to, yeah. you know, take a picture. With it Elsa, just so happens that this woman and the uh, provocatively dressed millennial just happened to want the same last pretzel. Right, the last, that was well, the intersection. The pretzel. Yeah, there was a million pretzels. She just didn't want to wait behind. <laughs> Kids should be able to cut the pretzel line. That's what she wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she will, wh- this lady what? will not let her kids. I go think to, it was the last once they're pretzel. eighteen. Are you sure? Once they're eight, once their kids are eighteen, they are not allowed to go to Disney. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. It actually, it wasn't the last pretzel. It was that the mom decided that she wasn't yeah. going to oh. stand on line anymore. Okay. 
because right. the line was too long, it and took, that's why. Oh, so a bad that's why mom. the kid yeah. cried. It took longer to tap out this Facebook post than it would have to just stay on the line. <laughs> yeah, totally. And get the stay on the line. Yeah, I, and I'm sure she did that while ignoring her children at at uh, Epcot the next right. day or something. This post it was from September 22nd at uh, 1:04 a.m. Huh. I don't know how this went viral uh, now. I don't think right. somebody just found it. But uh, Akiva, how how upset was this woman that it took her until 1:04 a.m. to uh, get this off her chest she was seething yeah she was still you know she was still also twitter shows you your i don't know if it was disneyland or disney world twitter shows you your time zone so she might have done that at 404 in orlando for all we know mm-hmm. yeah perhaps um uh i yeah i don't know uh there was a, also another viral disney tweet that i liked which was uh, a couple years ago which was basically like there's a few there's only like two or three classes in america there's People who there's I think three classes. There's people who've never been to Disney World, people who could who can only go once ever, and people who go every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is true. So I'm in favor of Disney World socialism, where if you go, start going to Disney every year, you have to pay for another family can't afford it to go. Oh wow! What do you think about that? Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that's your platform. Idea. That is my platform. It's a good idea. Yeah, because it's it like imagine like hearing your friends go to Disney and it's like not even. Uh, you know, like, th- and by the way, it is so expensive now. Yeah, that like, try think about planning a trip. We each have multiple children, all three of us. Yes, think about planning a trip. I have four kids, and I imagine everyone is a full ticket. Like six kids times a full week in the park. I, you know, that's, yeah. that's a lot of money. No, this is a brilliant marketing idea, Akiva. So you're saying that there should be like a Disneyland tier where it's mm-hmm. the hey. I, I it, it's the Disneyland gives back tier where you go, you get the fast pass, but you're also paying for a scholarship for yes. a family without means to mm-hmm. get a ticket. By so, way, it could be a solidly middle class family. It doesn't, you know, yeah. like, like very, very few people. But can afford you're basically that, you that, family, for, this yeah. is catering to the very wealthy who yes. want to give back. Amanda, this is like a like a Tom's shoes model right. where mm-hmm. you're, yeah. you're going to pay double. But in you're paying double and you're you, you get the fast pass, but you're also paying for a family without means to attend 100%. Disneyland. This is a great idea. And if it, it discourages rich people press. from going. Yeah, it would be great press. If it discourages rich people from going, you know, eight times in four years. Well, then we're solving our overcrowded well, problem. I don't think you so- can make it a mandatory thing. I think that this can be an opt in of like, this is like a super, and maybe you give them like something else in this. Not package. mandatory, but if you don't do it, you have to wear like a sticker the whole time in the park, which says, I refuse to donate to the <laughs> yeah. to a family of less yeah. than me. So, Akiva, should I add this to the $75 patron tier? What what the, that you have to do it? No no that you, they, well the, no the, the, then you they, then you also the, yeah then you could also then uh, then give a uh, a patron ah, <laughs> membership yes, yes. to somebody if you else. You could afford to yeah. be a seventy five dollar patron to this podcast. <laughs> then you can also afford to give somebody else. Yes uh, a full yeah. Patronship. No, opt in. It's an opt in. Okay. Yes. So yes. I think that I think that this is brilliant marketing for Disney. I love this idea. But I guess get those that- stock prices back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this and the Abigail involve- Disney, they're You're welcome. like the 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 like main one of the most outspoken uh, descendants is very woke. She'll be very into this. Oh, descendants! My kids were watching that the other day on Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> what were you saying, Amanda? Um, no, this is a great idea. But does this solve the problem that this particular um, woman was upset about, which is um, you know childless? people being at disney and um and standing in line for pretzels okay well i think so i think if you yeah if you go to disney five times a year 
then I do think you have to sponsor. You don't have to sponsor a family, <laughs> but like one kid maybe. Or something. Well, five times a year you have that a annual pass. I guess the the issue here might be: should there be like uh on, like kid only concessions of like should they should they be doing more to cater to the people that are there with children having a terrible time? Should it be like Chuck E. Cheese where you like can't go in if you're if you're just an adult or you have like a special sticker if you're if you're an adult if you try and go into Chuck E. Cheese? Hmm. Not a bad idea. I don't think so. Not a bad idea. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you should have an adult though. I don't think I, I don't think uh I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. Start giving people tattoos of uh, <laughs> Um But okay. Uh yeah, yeah I, I all right. I don't I don't know if we've Millennials haven't killed Disney because it's not dead. So I don't think I don't think right. this is going to be what we need to save. Right. I don't think Disney needs and, to be saved. But I do think our idea is great and should definitely go viral. And parents are still going to be taking their kids there no matter what. It does. I do think the door is open for a new theme park that you can't go to if you don't have kids. And, mm. and a second competing one where you can only go to if you're an adult. Yeah. Because yeah. kids don't care about adults, but many adults don't like kids and don't want to spend their fun times, particularly their bachelor parties, around children. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, some people do. Apparently, some people want to have bachelor parties at a children's theme park. So who are okay. we to judge? Mm-hmm. All right. And also, we, we try and avoid things, Amanda, that are too beloved on this show. But I do right. believe we run into a buzzsaw Disney here is, where Rob and I Disney are definitely going to get some yeah. definitely going to get some angry tweets about this segment. OK. All right. All right. What else? Well, we'll move on to something that's probably not too beloved. Um, and that is handshakes. Millennials oh, yeah. have killed oh. handshakes. I thought she was going to say murder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Millennials killed murder. <laughs> Okay, handshakes. The millennials are killing off the handshake. Akiva, is the handshake dead? Yeah, I don't hand. I don't like shaking hands with people. I don't like touching anybody in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of the fist bump. I will shake a hand if offered, but I will always offer the fist bump. Uh, if you know, at first. Um, I, I, I think it's weird because then everyone comments on the fist bump, but I just don't like. The problem is like I don't. I've never had a handshake that's not awkward. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. shake too long, too much. You're stuck shaking hands. And like, are you a limp guy and the other guy's firm or vice versa? Handshake should never have been a thing. We should be pounding fists, you know, or or whatever. I'm not a hugger either. So I think the fist bump is sort of the uh, – it's even friendlier than the handshake. It's less business-like. Okay. Amanda, tell us about the handshake. So um, some of the evidence that millennials are killing handshakes comes from a study that was published in the Journal of Hand Therapy. Mm. And um, in this <laughs> <The> study, <subscriber. laughs> of course, my wife actually this- is an OT, so I wouldn't be surprised, ah. if, you know, if she wasn't retired, if she knew what that was. Right. Ask ask her about this study. Um, ask Mira about this study where they found that grip strength is decreasing in people in the demographic 24 to 30 years old. So men these days have um, weaker grips yeah. by 19 to 26 pounds as compared to men of the same age in 1985. And women have lost about 10 pounds of force in their grip strength. Akiva, you would think that all of that Xbox playing would yeah. only increase like the uh, dexterity and hand strength of these youngsters. I would have thought it would be stronger. Plus, like, who knows what goes on, on the internet? I think that the grip strength would be much. Yes. Would be much stronger. <laughs> From everything I read. Scenario? Yeah. When you were a kid, because I certainly did, where 
you shuck you like your parents are like hey come meet like uncle george who's not really your uncle or just like a family friend and then you shake his hand and then the parent your parents said like no, no, no. Give him a real handshake, right? Did you ever have the, the makeup handshake that your parents forced you to do? Because I had dozens of them when I was mm. <laughs> I don't remember That's a lot very, of handshake shaming. That's very telling, Constantly as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what this is one of the things. So this wasn't discussed in any of the research that I found, but I feel like there's this weird masculine competitive aspect of handshakes, which is maybe mm-hmm. going out of favor as we're, you know, becoming um, a little bit more woke, a little less, um, you know, gender conformist, um, that there's some space that the handshake occupies that I think is like very masculine and a little bit competitive. Mm hmm. I do try to get my kids to have a good handshake with people because I think that uh, I basically like uh, want them to like engage with other people and have some eye contact and, you know, uh, like actually be present in terms of interacting with people. So uh, I still shake a lot of hands. Uh, You know, I'm not clamoring for more handshakes, but I don't think that the handshake is dead, and I don't know if it's necessarily going away. I think that this one might be a little called uh, death prematurely. Well, I have a question. Uh, so, Amanda, you say it's it, it it you know it has a masculine feel, which I like a traditionally masculine feel, which I agree, right? I think I, I do think that's sort of the at least the stereotype of handshakes. But what should replace it, especially in sort of a business type setting? Because right. I, I I was serious about the fist bump for me, but that's a weird move in an office to like. You're not going to like go fist bump the CEO on your first day, you know? So like what I like and hugs are too personal, especially for the office. And I don't want anyone to hug me ever. So then and, and like in Europe, they do like the cheek, the, the, the cheek kisses, which yeah. are just bizarre to me and should definitely be canceled. Mm-hmm. Somehow aren't. And what, so what what are we replacing with the handshake with? So I think that what you've totally put your finger on the, 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 to me, what I think is the most critical function of the handshake is that kind of business meeting scenario. Cause I, I was talking about this list with my husband and we were sort of talking about the like, when do you shake hands? And that kind of like, you know, when you're meeting that, um, you know, second uncle, like that would be a situation mm-hmm. where I think that, a me- like a boy would shake his uncle's hand, whereas like a girl would give a, a hug, you know, like I think, but I don't think you, you never w- are going to hug in a business situation. So there is some sort of greeting that is needed. But then do you think that that's kind of Akiva? Do you think that maybe our corporate culture is changing to the point where you might fist bump somebody or there might be a different kind of greeting or different business etiquette? Um, that's kind of shifting away from the old handshake model. I mean, listen, Rob is a podcaster, so there's very little handshaking going on hey. in his office. I what? Well, I, I go <laughs> I go to a bunch of uh, live events, Akiva. I'm shaking a lot of that's hands. That's true. Then. That you're shaking hands. Also, you're doing like you have to do the pictures, which is like you know arm around the shoulder type things. Um, for some reason, that bothers me less. Like the hand, you know, the hand on the other person, like then than the handshake, which just seems like too. I don't know, one-on-one. I, I don't know. I just think, it, like, first of all, in an office, there's probably less people touching other people in general. So maybe all sorts, right. all forms of, like, physical, like, uh, communication are probably on on the way out. But it's um, when the people are coming, like, I have a meeting with somebody or, you know, I have, a, like, if I have a guest uh, that's coming over or, you know, you have somebody who's coming into your office for a meeting. It's like, uh, what do you do uh, when you, uh, if it's somebody that you've met before, I think you do the hug 
uh, like uh, at least in in my line of work. Uh, but mm-hmm. I feel like in, you know you're meeting someone for the first time. I feel like it's always the handshake. I, I also this weekend saw a guy who I hadn't seen in like ten years, and he went for the handshake, and we we're at uh, lunch. Mm-hmm. and uh, my hand was like soaking wet because my kid had just spilled water all over me. So I did the thing, which is like, oh, no, my hand is wet, and I didn't shake his hand. And I, now I realize like that's weirder than just almost like shaking the hand. I don't know what's <laughs> worse. Like, like, do I like dry my hand and then shake it? Do I like shake him and then see if he notices that my hand is still wet because my son spilled like a cup of water on me? It was just like it's such a weird move to say I can't shake your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much politics with the handshake. It's a lot right. of politics. And the germs and cleanliness, I think, is another concern here with handshakes. Yeah. I mean, people who are, you know, a little more germophobic might not be comfortable with it. Yeah. yeah. But the, what are you going to do? Howie Mandel style is the way to go. See, it, it probably is. But I think that what happens is that there's also like a, you go to shake somebody's hand and they give you the fist bump. It's like, oh, OK, it's either that you Germy think I have. Oh, oh, you yeah. think I have germs. You have something. Right. So. Uh, I think that they're probably, Amanda, what, at some point when we have some sort of, a, you know, swine flu pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that right. will finally kill off the handshake. But mm-hmm. I feel like for right now, the reports of the demise of the handshake are premature. Premature. Okay. All right. You know, so. the, you know, the uh, George W. Bush thing, Amanda, you're a super fan, so you probably know it. The uh, <laughs> Purell after every handshake that he was famous for. Mm. Right. Yeah. Didn't he, he would like shake your hand, but then he would right. like Purell immediately, which is way worse than just saying, sorry, I don't shake hands because it's like, oh, you in particular are dirty. Well, I think that's a lot of the politicians. I don't know if that's I mean, I don't know how fast uh, George W. Bush had it on the draw, but uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, I think he had a Purell guy. I think there was a guy whose job it was to Purell his hands the second. he. I wouldn't be surprised he, if, it, if it wasn't just him. I think that everybody might have a Purell guy or a woman, Purell woman also. Yeah. You, well, yeah, you. Yeah, it's 2019. You could have a Purell woman. I just yeah, I think at a certain point. That's what that's what I would hate being a politician. Like they say, like kissing babies or whatever. I don't know if people still actually kiss babies, but like you have to hold other people's babies and not drop them because if you drop one baby, that's the end of your that's the end of your like political career. That, yeah, that's, that, that's really the main thing. I'm not going to politics is for the handshakes and the baby holding. Yeah. I mean, are you surprised that in this uh, 2020 Democratic field, nobody's dropped the baby yet? Um, well, you know, I think it's only a matter of time with this many with this many people. Yeah, um, infinite yeah. <laughs> candidates. I think that the likelihood of somebody <laughs> dropping a baby, I think, only increases. Yeah, you would think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so far, so good. Okay. Um, all right. So that's so why, it that's why like Mike Gravel dropped out of the race yesterday. When he was like ninety. <laughs> he didn't want to drop a baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that he was playing with fire there. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's move. It sounds like we're 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 not sold on handshakes. Well, what do you guys think about this next one? Um, this was one of the more interesting items. Um, it's a little bit uh, different from some of the others, but there were some reports on the internet that millennials are killing exorcisms. Hmm. Wow. Millennials killing exorcism. Okay. I was not expecting that. Is this, I mean, yeah. like, and we could get into a, a bigger discussion about did millennials kill all religions, but mm-hmm. what what in particular did millennials kill about exorcism? Yeah, and in particular are, it, it, like, is Satan just running unopposed here? Where that, <laughs> that are, are there demonic possessions happening and the millennials are just like, uh, you know, with just like looking at what what can we do well, that, so or, that's the that's possibility yeah is satan somehow more in check because of the millennials 
Well, I think both of those are in play, but um, the support for this claim that the millennials are killing exorcisms is that um, that I found a uh, BBC News article that also went viral on Twitter that tells the story of Friar Vincenzo Tabarelli, who is Rome's busiest exorcist, and he says that he is struggling to find young successors to replace him. And so all of the exorcism business is coming his way and young priests think that the job is too scary and are staying away from the exorcism business. It is scary. So do you think that millennials are killing exorcisms um, and that exorcisms are, uh, it's time for a comeback? Hmm. That would explain a lot. a chart by decade when the exorcism started to dip. Because I'd have to imagine it was, by the 60s, exorcisms were at least on the decline, yeah. if not almost completely sort of out of out of touch. That seems fair. You don't have those numbers? <laughs> I don't, I don't, ha- I don't like have see, that uh, on my... EPY <laughs> exorcisms per year stat. I'd like to say that maybe there is a bigger factor at work here, Amanda, that I think that probably the Gen X before even the millennials, I think, have walked away from religion. I bet there's a really strong correlation between the people that are making their bed and the people that are regularly mm-hmm. attending church and synagogue. <laughs> I think that that is a strong correlation. And I think that the people who are not making the bed I think are also the people who are uh, not attending regular service. And I think because, hey, there's crazy stuff happening. Maybe turning to the exorcist is not the first place these people are going once they are not participating regularly in a church or synagogue service. Right. Is there in in Judaism, is is there Uh some equivalent of the exorcism or is that only a a, a Catholic Christian thing? There's 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 the concept of a dibbic, which is some sort of like demon that lives inside a person. I think it's been explored in some horror movies. I don't really watch horror movies, but horror movies in the last decade. What's it called? A a, a dibbic? Yeah, it's D-Y-B-B-U-K. Okay, we shouldn't talk about too much. They might come out and start. That's okay. And we're ops with the Dybbix. <laughs> okay, so yes, we're definitely ops with the Dybbix. You, 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 you don't want the Dybbix inside. Then you got to get the guy to come and get it out. But What's the so, guy called? I guess it would just be like the main sort of like spiritual. Dybbix buster? Probably a rabbi, but like someone who specifically, <laughs> who like, who, who sort of. Uh, you know, who, who's maybe like uh, Kabbalah centric, like uh, like uh, someone who's more spiritual than more of a, uh, okay. like a textual based rabbi. Uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, there was a 50 percent increase in the number of exorcisms performed between the 60s and 70s, which seems shocking. I will say in Judaism, the, the most. Yeah, the movie the did most, a lot. Yeah. The, the most that was famous... that was the big branding boost for exorcism. So, right. I mean, exorcisms has already had a comeback in the past. Hmm. Yeah, the mo- I feel like the most famous ones were like late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, the the book The Exorcist come you know and and movie comes out when like the 50s or something. I don't the, the movie The Exorcist. Well, the I think book it's... is from the 50s. Oh, yeah, the movie is is is, is later. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the movie's in the early 70s. Yeah, Bobby Jindal, right. who who I believe was was in wasn't he in the the gigantic Republican field in 2016? Okay, uh, yeah, he yeah. he was involved in an exorcism. 
Yes, oh. if you want to get uh, and and Mother Teresa had had one late in life. So I was wondering. I don't know if well, what we're going to decide on whether this is something that um, is uh, ripe for a comeback. But I was wondering <laughs> if we could take this um, exorcism notion and sort of merge it with a wellness brand. Like hmm. if there was an exorcism cleanse. Yeah. Um, when if Paltrow would know, sell these on Goop tonight, Amanda? Right. Right. Like I <laughs> a could spiritual see spiritual like, exorcism. Instagram How about that? ads for yeah. you know some sort of you know spiritual wellness uh exorcism but i think that uh that satan has been replaced by like toxins amanda right yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. right uh it's you know microplastics and toxins and all sorts of other <laughs> things that are really getting you down and maybe if you go with a more holistic way of life then uh, that will solve your problems Mm. Uh, you know, speaking of the Democratic presidential field, I think that Marianne Williamson could probably perform an exorcism. Oh, no, no doubt. She's been present at a few exorcisms. I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to ask our Marianne Williamson expert, uh, Caitlin Harmon. Yeah, about- ask Caitlin if she would do a spiritual exorcism on Renap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, so. I think that the exorcisms certainly are without question on the decline, but I think that it's more of just an arm of the, you know, uh, spirituality and the, and the faiths yes. that are, I think are on the decline. And yeah. I think more that, of a, more of a general religious, the more religion there is, the more things like exorcisms there will be. And the more it goes away, the less you'll hear about it. If they're still going on, they're much quieter. I bet a few YouTube exorcisms, you'd get some wild stuff, but. You don't hear much about them. They don't have a good exorcisms need a better publicist right now. Right. I think that YouTube uh, might be taking down uh, a lot of exorcisms that get posted. You think they would take them down? I mean, I don't want to search for it, but yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm nervous to search for it, too. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Do they they have a policy against exorcism? Who knows? I don't know if they have policies against anything. (laughs) Okay. So I don't think we're gonna, this is what we're going to be bringing back, though, Amanda. I don't think we're going to bring back that's, exorcisms. That's wise. I think that's a good call. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to this item. I would be remiss if this did not come up um, today while I'm on the line here with a serial influencer. But millennials have been charged with killing breakfast cereal. Oh, mm, Akiva. Big problem. Yeah. It's this problem. hits close to home. Yeah, I do feel like when I'm eating cereal for lunch, for dinner, I feel like, hey, this is like an outdated activity. People aren't doing this. And I, when, I was, when I was in an office a few year, you know, years back, and they would make fun of me for having like a box of honeycombs at work that I would just use as my lunch every day. Mm-hmm. And they would tease me. I realize now it's because I was like a couple years older than them. And they are, you know, younger millennials who just don't do cereal. And they, everyone wants some sort of gross bar. That's a dollar forty nine. That's terrible. Yeah, nobody wants or skipping breakfast altogether because apparently the most important meal of the day thing was like a myth started by some like a marketing. Cere- yeah, cereal research. Um, yeah. So are millennials just eating the avocado toast every morning, Amanda? Is that what's going on? Right. So yeah. So it looks like I think um, Akiva has already keyed into some important trends. Um, a lot of millennials are skipping breakfast entirely or eating breakfast outside of the home. So mm-hmm. like grabbing something at a cafe on the way to work, um, maybe um, an avocado toast, um, things like 
breakfast bars or nutrition bars Mm. and smoothies are also eating up some of that cereal market share. Um, And in a survey conducted in 2016, uh, 40% of millennials said that cereal was inconvenient because it requires cleaning up after eating. Oh, lazy millennials. Um, I I also think, Amanda, there's a tie-in. I feel like that the millennials are down on milk also. that If if you're going to have cereal, it requires you having a half gallon of milk in the refrigerator. And I feel like it's not necessarily the cereal, but I think that having the fresh milk on hand requires Mm -hmm. some pre-thought and planning and i feel like that that is not something that millennials want something uh on the go and they want something fast and they could take with them and that's an extra step to go having to you know keep you could keep the cereal for weeks on end but having the milk i think is the deal breaker i bet if we ask some of our younger listeners I bet uh, the non-coffee drinkers, uh, I bet a lot of them don't have milk in their house or apartment ever, Mm -hmm. right? I bet, like, if you're not a coffee guy, if you're not, like, drinking milk with cookies. Or a coffee gal. Coffee gal. (laughs) um, I I don't know. I don't know. uh, I bet there's a lot of people who don't. Maybe millennials are going to end up killing milk also, to to be honest. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I drink my coffee black, and I never, Mm -hmm. ever had milk in my house until, like, now – before I had my kids and now my kids like drink a gallon of milk every day. Um, yeah. But, um, but it is, it's, it's a tricky thing. Cause you don't, if you don't go through it quickly enough, especially if you're a single person and you don't drink milk every day, um, you really have to kind of be on top of your shopping schedule to make sure you have, you know, fresh milk in the house for cereal. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like this is ringing true to you guys that millennials have killed cere- breakfast cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, is do you think that breakfast cereal should come back? Hmm. What if what if like you there was some way to package the cereal with the milk? Because I agree. When I used to, and I really would have like three times a week, I would have I would have like two or three different boxes of cereal in a ca- in like a in a pantry and at work. And I, but I would have to keep track of the milk because milk wouldn't even last the full Monday to Friday a lot of times. Like you have to, you buy the half liter and that has very low milk in it, but the full liter like doesn't always fit in a work fridge and, and like, you know, and, and then you never finish it. So I wonder if there was a way to sort of, if, if you remember in, in school, sometimes they'll have the little cartons of milk, yeah. which are good for just one mm-hmm. day. I don't know if we could sort of package the cereal and the milk. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I did note when we did the cereal tournament and I was asking some of the cereal brands if they would send us free swag and they all said no. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice like almost no cereal ha- have, a, you know, active Twitter and Instagram accounts. It's it's a ghost land out there. It's a wasteland of, yeah. of you know. So I, I do think that they are – I wouldn't want to own stock in Kellogg's right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd also theorize that, you know, somebody who is in their early 20s is not even eating breakfast in the home. That I think that they're just uh, – whatever they are eating, they're just taking with them if they have to be up and out early in the morning. Right, right. It's not very portable. I, yeah, I agree with that. And that, and the market trend suggests that people are either skipping breakfast or grabbing it on the go. Yes. So do okay. you think, yeah. So do you think that there's a better, t- like, a, do you think that maybe rebranding, moving cereal away from the breakfast? Yes. Um, that's exactly plot? what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Could we get yeah. dinner cereal? Yeah. 
dinner it's a good cereal. idea it's so cheap also it is really such an efficient and like I, the, I, the only thing is it's not healthy but like breakfast is supposed to be healthy dinner's not so i do think a once a week <laughs> dinner cereal would work well i think that we need to sort of change up the formula like could we sort of uh start to get like uh imagine like a lucky charms but instead of marshmallows we have like dehydrated avocado akiva no like do we have <laughs> see now you're you're we're ruining cereal at this point just let people have like steak and potatoes for dinner like maybe could we get to it's it's some sort of uh like a dinner bowl uh, mm-hmm. millennials like Ooh, bowls right so this is so you're so there it, there are some trends there have been some high end chefs that have used cereal as ingredients and tried to elevate it in um in other sort of meals so um i think there's a famous uh pastry chef in new york who has a whole cereal dessert cookbook Mm -hmm. um i saw reports of like rice crispy paella and a fruity pebble cocktail so i think that there's potential to sort of broaden you know what we think of as cereal um you know how to eat cereal hmm yeah i wonder could we get it to the dessert amanda what about if it's not the main course what about uh could we sort of uh mix that up how do millennials feel about dessert um i think that we could definitely, I mean, I, there's definitely some popular dessert trends among millennials that we could sort of capitalize on and maybe some of the like cereal falling out of favor for being a little too sugar laden. If we move it into the dessert space, it might seem like a, you know, a relatively healthier alternative. So like, what if like we have some cereal as a topping on some like soy ice cream non-dairy ice cream alternative like that could kind of speak to that we can't even get the millennials to have a top sheet let alone a dessert <laughs> topping I, the truth it's is the cereal hate dessert extra is already, steps, amanda it's already been perfected right i think rice crispy treats is on the mount you know mount dessert more of top four uh top four desserts already okay save it for the 32 fans uh dessert rice krispies aren't even one of the better cereals so i think you once you get you're getting like tricks and golden grams involved i do think you could probably have some good desserts so we're dessert cereal is is one of our concepts yeah yeah but i i do think we agree millennials have killed cereal okay uh well i don't know if we have uh really uh solved this mystery of what has happened to breakfast What's going on, Akiva? When will cereal make a return? Why don't the millennials want to eat it? Okay, sorry. I would be <laughs> remiss to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the thing that they say about breakfast cereal is it started really strong and then it just went downhill. <laughs> yes. And every time they try to bring it back, nobody cares. Okay. All right. I mean, what else? Um, okay, so um, here's another one that uh, we got some listener suggestions, um, and it also came from a very timely um, tweet from um, Full Frontal Samantha B. Um, but bar soap is the next mm, item. Yes, have, have I saw that. I saw wow. that. Yes. This is a big one. Yeah. Millennials are killing bar soap. Um, and the evidence for this claim comes from market research mm. that suggests that 60% of consumers age 18 to 24 believe that bar soap is covered in germs um, and sales are falling precipitously. Okay. 
Akiva, are you yes. a bar soap guy or do you get into the body wash? So can I paint a picture for you guys? Please do. So as previously mentioned, Rob and I and, and our friend Chester went to a hotel a mm-hmm. weeks ago. Oh, yes. And I, I shared a room with Alexander Chester. Yes. And when I went to shower, uh, and no one had showered in the room yet, I noticed that they did not have a ton of shampoos and conditioners and soaps. They had a few small bottles. Uh, and I'm sure if you asked them, they would send them more, but I'm certainly not ever going to do that. So I went, I was already in the shower and I saw the only, the only bar of soap they had was, uh, was one small bar of soap. Now, if I use that to wash my body, is Chester supposed to use the same bar of soap? He would sooner die. Mm-hmm. There's no way. He, like, he didn't want to share a room with me. He would kill him. No, I mean, it would, there was no way he would, he would ever do that. So then I had to, uh, you know, audible. As I started the shower, and I broke the bar of soap in half, yes. leaving, and it's oh. a small bar, if you remember from the hotel, yeah. leaving the second half of the bar for Chester in case he was a soap guy and not a body wash guy. Because they did have, you know, enough, certainly enough body wash for both of us, and you don't really have to share that. But it got me thinking, yeah. the invention of the bar of soap was an error. It's, cra- like, it's crazy, and if we were going to fix it, Maybe having, you know, if I have a family of six, instead of one giant bar of soap that we're all using on our entire bodies, which even when saying that, I realize is repulsive. And this mm-hmm. was my family. Yeah. Not a crazy stranger. Um, then we should, soap should be sort of mini disposable kinds and then everyone can have their own bar instead of, because you don't know what each shower has like a holding space for six different giant bars of soap. Right. So I, I'm interested in your guys' soap opinions, but I just... I really came to the conclusion. <laughs> it's a real only, soap opera between you and yeah, Chester. Only three short weeks ago that that soap was a mistake. The okay. whole bar of soap industry needs to die. Yeah, I think that uh, it was an argument between uh, Joey and Chandler, which uh, really brought this to light, where I believe that it was, uh, and we might get <laughs> dragged for getting this wrong. Uh, mm. Hope from, it's season three, episode seven. When we yeah, where uh, that, Joey uh, cited to Chandler of like, hey, think about the last thing that I wash in the shower and the first thing that you wash in the shower uh, Mm -hmm. in an argument over Mm -hmm. the uh, shared bar of soap. But I I am a bar of soap guy. And Mm -hmm. now I that (laughs) just to give like a paint a picture of. But I everything uh, between uh, my wife and I, we have a completely separate. I have my like my own shower. She has her own shower and we have uh, everything separate. But if I if my sons were going to be using the same bar of soap, I mean, I don't go right from using the soap. And then just start, you know, rubbing it all over myself. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to take the bar of soap and, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're going to like use the water here. And I feel like that whatever is the top layer of the soap gets washed away. So that's the beauty of soap is that the water is always going to give you clean soap, Amanda. Oh, boy. No. <laughs> well, am I crazy? Whatever's on top of the soap. Oh, there's too many germs on the soap. We'll run it under the water for 10 seconds. And Do you drink from the same water bottle your kids use? Uh, I, I don't because I think well, that, that they backwash. Okay, so even that hesitation. That's the backwash now, situation. Yeah. That's the backwash yeah. situation. I think, I think that's... Well, I mean, so, t- tell so me Rob, how I'm I wrong have, here. 
But this is like a butt wash situation. This is this is even worse. <laughs> like I I think I don't know. I, I just think I, I I think that if we did a study, the bar of soap is probably cleaner than the body wash. But I just don't I, I like I the idea of sharing the soap is is the issue. Uh, by the way, when my father comes so here, so does he's, everybody he's, have their own loofah at your house? I guess, like, I, my dad, yeah, I, I, feel I, like I bet the loofahs are, have more germs. I, on I think so too. I yeah. think the, 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 the loofah is accumulating a lot of bacteria yeah. and mildew. Oh, no, and you have to throw that out often. <laughs> so I, I don't, and I don't really like the body wash in my hands. What am I supposed to do? Like, I feel like even like a washcloth. You use, use a different washcloth every day. Yeah, and also the body wash. A lot of times, like you never have the right squirt amount, so then you're left with like the leftover body wash. And like, all right, let me like rewash this body part, but then it's just a waste. Um, right. I, I think the soap is better, but I think a lot of times it's impractical. When we, m- when my father comes here, he has his own bar of soap, even though he's here maybe two nights a year. Mm-hmm. He li- he literally because he will not use body wash, so he has a yeah. bar of soap that we save. That's for that's his. That's two nights a year. But Amanda, if you just run the bar of soap under the water for fifteen or twenty seconds, like you, that isn't whatever was on the soap gone. So yeah, I mean, I I am not, um, you know, so I haven't dug into the scientific literature. This isn't what this, your doctor <laughs> is in. <laughs> well, I I but I do operate under the assumption that soap is a a bar of soap is essentially a self cleaning type of item, and that when you rinse it off with water, that the soap should be um, cleaning off any of the germs that have accumulated. So I I, I also took your side, um, Rob, during the. Um, famous argument over whether it's okay to clean a coffee cup with a sponge <laughs> in the sink. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, the when dishwasher. Josh, yes. Yes. When Josh Wiggler insisted that his coffee cup comes straight from the dishwasher. So I, I think it's probably okay the way that you're cleaning the soap. Um, but it seems like in our discussion, this is coming up as like the major psychological barrier that is making people turn away from bar soap. Hmm. Okay. So do you think that there's another product? Because there's a lot of advantages to bar soap, right? Like it's more environmentally friendly because you don't have that extra packaging oh, in yeah. the body wash. And Akiva said it's hard to, you know, you take too much body wash and you end up wasting it. Um, so it's more economical. Um, so I think we that there's strengths to recommend bar soap. Do you think we need like if we gave people some special like antibacterial like bar soap cleanser that they would feel more comfortable sharing a bar of soap? Hmm. So we have you want to make soap soap? Right. Is it like a spray bottle? (laughs) Maybe. Or maybe like a a special like kind of wipe or something that you could do to wipe. Soap. (laughs) Is is it guys, isn't the answer just smaller bars of soap? Like an an individualized (laughs) that no one ever has to share a bar of soap. But um, you know, but we also don't have these gigantic first of all, uh like maybe I have small hands. Like the bar of soap you free like it gets wet, it slips out of your hands all the time, right? You a need smaller to work bar, on that you'll be able to hold. So. Well, here's my problem with the small bar. That's why they made soap Akiva. on a rope, Akiva. Yeah, mm. That's right. <laughs> my problem with the small, small bar of soap is that, like, the worst bar soap experience is when you end up with just that kind of, like, sliver of bar soap. And it's, like, it's like kind of just, like, disappears. Yeah. And it doesn't, I don't know. I feel I, like I've that's got, like, not 20 good... slivers that I, that I right. wait and I put them together and I uh, sort of, like, uh, crush them like uh, Superman making a diamond. 
then I try to use that for like two days. It's very economical of you. <laughs> try waste not want not. Right. So, uh, so should the bar soap come back? I think it should come back. I've never let it go away. Yeah, I, I think it's that body wash is crushing it. I think the Old Spice people are having a field day, and I, I, I think it is ripe for a comeback, but not, but no more sharing soap. That's all we're saying. Okay. Well, unless it's with Chester and he doesn't know. Are the millennials doing a lot of uh, cohabitating, or is it that they're living with their parents and they don't want to use the same soap that their parents are using? I think I I don't know I don't I mean I, that's a good question I think I think they're doing a lot of cohabitating and living with their parents they're living with their friends less wait mm-hmm. so so Akiva do you think yes. that maybe the solution is a better bar soap storage situation yeah. in yes, the back be- better storage right if there was like uh, less a li- slippery like, l- labeled cubbies or something like or some mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah, some like some some like sort of attractive way that we could mm-hmm. like pitch that this is where you put your soap and then you know you're not using yeah. somebody else's soap. It's just hard because in the shower everything gets wet. So I understand like the a body wash is in its own self-sealed container and there's not like, you know, dripping soap scum or anything like that. So I think that it's really difficult to keep things organized and dry in the shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. I think, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do like the sort of cubbies thing. I think smaller bars of soap and everyone gets their own. Uh, we may bring back a uh, body of soap. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. You guys up for a few more of these? Yeah, maybe let's go a sure. little more uh, rapid fire. Sure. Okay, we can do that. Um, mayonnaise. Millennials oh, yeah. are killing mayonnaise. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Why is so, it, Rob? Mm, where do know. you guys stand on mayonnaise? Are you guys pro or anti-mayonnaise? Hmm. Well, I was a little more pro mayonnaise until I got my uh, last uh, cholesterol test. So uh-huh. I'm uh, staunchly out on the mayonnaise. Yeah, your doctor, your doctor canceled mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Amanda, what are the reasons given why mayonnaise are out from, uh, you know, why are millennials not really right. connecting? With I think mayonnaise? it's gross. Right. Well, they do. So, yeah, they think it's gross. There was actually this great, um, you know, there's been some research in food science um, that shows that some people find that the texture, it like reminds them of, um, you know, different like bodily oh, things no. that are less <laughs> oh no that are that are undesirable so there somebody might did research have some on bad, this? yeah 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 somebody did research on that um it also seems that um mayonnaise is competing with more condiments so things like you know sriracha and salsas and other um you know more con- condiments from different um ethnic cuisines i actually saw um a headline um that <laughs> lamented the in, the inexorable rise of identity condiments has led to hard mm. times for the most American of foodstuffs. So that gives it a sort of a political tilt. But I think that it's probably the health factor. It's probably competition from um, an increasingly large market for condiments. 
Um, and, um, you know, maybe it seems a little bit old fashioned um, yeah. in comparison. I think that the typical things that you put the mayonnaise on, I think, are also falling out of favor with the millennials between the tuna, between uh, the egg salad, between the lunch meats. Uh, none of these things I feel like are super popular with the millennial crowd. Right. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, mayonnaise uh, is not cool. Akiva, could a mayonnaise do some sort of a rebranding or is there a different use for the mayonnaise that they could uh, really sort of appeal to? Yeah, one of the things Mayo's done is it's become almost the Avengers, Rob, where they have – I've seen a, I've heard a lot of podcast ads yes? for Mayo Chup. I, I don't know if you've done yes, any of that. No, ah, I, I yeah. talk about it on News AF, yeah. Yeah, May- Mayo Chup. So I think their they're, uh, condiments, they realize they're, can you they're say, stronger. Akiva, could you just, yeah. uh, uh, tell me how this is like the Avengers? Well, it's I've never seen the Avengers, but I assume it's like Batman and Spider-Man get together and like, we're going to save Superman. <laughs> and then – and then that's what they do. So this is ketchup and a mustard mm-hmm. saying like, hey, let's band together. And then mayonnaise is like, what about us? And it's like, fine, it's a threesome of condiments. <laughs> are you saying it's not like the Avengers? Uh, me, I, I find that maybe it's more like the NBA where all of the uh, superstars want to uh, flock together and play on the same condiment super team. Yeah, I mean, I, but I don't want ketchup, mustard, and mayonnaise in the same thing. But I would buy them in the same sort of like, you know, they used to have like the peanut butter and jelly that's like half and half in the same container. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, but I I do think that, Amanda, you are uh, right on with the identity condiments of like, you know, I, I, I wonder, you know, in, in the old days, the, the condiments were sort of one size fits all. And people like, no, I'm not I'm not just a boring mayo guy i'm a mayo chup guy (laughs) right right and i think that you see um there's definitely you know you sriracha mayo Mm -hmm. um chipotle mayo wasabi mayo um i think that mayo is trying to find its place in this landscape by you know incorporating some of these other more exotic condiments in to sort of attract that younger audience yeah. Who's to blame? Is it sort of like the fast casual culture, Amanda, of that? OK, tell us what do you want in your burrito? How do you want your sandwich of that? It's just people can't just have one condiment on a basic sandwich. Yeah, I mean, that might have something to do with it. I also think that, you know, that it's, um, you know, people are probably, you know, Mayo just doesn't seem as exciting when we have all of these other choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, you know, it seems it's, you know, it's literally sort of bland in <laughs> comparison. Um, yeah. Yeah. Keith, I'm a big mustard guy. Uh, I'm really a big uh, Goulden's mustard guy. Yeah. I, I do think the thing about mustard, Malcolm Gladwell, one of his like early New Yorker pieces had something where it's just like, there's like a hundred mustards that sell more than the second best selling ketchup because Heinz is such a market domination. Mm-hmm. And the wrong mustard can ruin uh, any sort of hot dog or whatever you're putting the mustard on. But it's weird to, like, taste test the mustard, so you're sort of just risking it a lot mm-hmm. of times if you're not familiar with that brand. Yeah. I My mom was at a ketchup at a barbecue two weeks ago, and I was like, well, I'm not going to put mustard on a hamburger. So I went, no. I went with mayonnaise, and I'm like, I feel like a big fatty, <laughs> but this is delicious and maybe even better than ketchup. Wow. Mayonnaise okay. is good as a... Like a chief condiment. Do they need to get into the burger game more? 
Because I don't really love mayo on a burger. I, I thought it was really good, I, but I just don't know how they sell it because it has this reputation, and it may be true, as like such a fatty food that I think in right. a health-conscious mm-hmm. society, I don't know like how they rebrand. I guess uh, you could have like – Well, do you, know, do you know what mayo is? So a lot of people think I, of mayo as dairy, yes. and it's dairy-free and it's gluten-free, yeah, naturally I, dairy and gluten-free. Yeah, we had this on Seinfeld for some reason that came up. Obviously, I know it's dairy because – I don't eat dairy and meat together, and, and mayonnaise goes on, on meat. But I think a lot of people don't know that. You're yeah. right. So I actually tried to make my own mayonnaise recently, Amanda. It did not go well. Mm. Yeah, a lot can go wrong. I've also <laughs> made my own mayonnaise. And I could it, not it can, get it to work. Yeah. I tried it with uh, an immersion blender, and yeah. it's egg yolks and oil, and I could not get the right combination. I just like the. I, I just got like a yolky oil. It did not. It did not gel. I would. I, I mean, who are yeah. you to do a better job of making mayonnaise than the fine people at Hellman's or, or Heinz? We or didn't whatever, have it. You know? We didn't have it. I'm like, oh well. I mean, I, I can make it. Maybe let's see what that's like. It's easier to make mayonnaise than just go to the local store. Like the clear. Like I know there's a lot of traffic where you. Live. It didn't I've, seem like it was hard to do. If it was easy to do, then everyone would do it. I have a magic bullet, Akiva. <laughs> I bet I, I, I bet you saw like a YouTube video where they just pressed yeah, the button. They did it in like five seconds. <laughs> Mayo. I don't I don't know. Um I, the, you know what's actually popular in kosher restaurants? I don't know I don't know about restaurants that aren't kosher, is uh, garlic mayonnaise. And it feels less fatty, even though I'm sure it's the same level or even more. Mm. Uh at, like aioli type stuff also. That, yeah, right. aioli, uh, yeah. That are better branded than just plain old, you know, your grandma's mayonnaise. Okay. Right. And, to, and to your point, Akiva, I feel like if you're having a shiracha mayo or like a wasabi mayo, you don't think of it as being as fatty as just the plain mayo. Hmm. There's something about that extra ingredient that like, like tricks your brain into thinking you're not just eating fat. Okay. Well, yeah. anyway, so do, so do we want to bring mayo back, or do we think that um, I think it's a lost is, cause? You know, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I I personally like mayo, but I, I don't. I wouldn't want to. I you know, if it was a stock, I would be selling and not buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's already at its floor. Okay, so since we're in rapid fire, we're going to move through um, a few more right now. Um, so um, snail mail. Oh, Millenn- millennials are killing snail mail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is, you know, evidence that, um, you know, from, you know, the whoever tracks these things that the overall mail the volume has been, I, I would assume so, mm-hmm. um, that uh, the overall Although, volume tracking of things is-, is not their specialty, Akiva. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, we I, I want to warn you, uh, Amanda, uh-huh. we have dozens of mailmen who listen to this podcast yes do we need to bring so, <laughs> careful with what we say let's well, bring in sean the mailman sean yeah. yeah well i think we're gonna help them out right okay, because i mean yes. yeah, that's what that's what we're all about um yes so By the way, you know, did so you know the- uh sean said no ac in his truck and he works in the south i feel like i feel like the postal service well, they don't really have doors i feel like the i know mail truck. Well, i think his has a door the way he explained it i think he's got more of a door than maybe the ones up north i'm not sure hmm okay but that sounds very hot. It, may, it may, makes me sweat just thinking about driving that truck with no uh, AC. Okay. All right. We're pro mailman here. Mm-hmm. Um, even though millennials are, you know, declining in the amount of mail that they send and receive. Um, 
So should 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 snail mail come back? Should we? Um, how how could we? You know, launch a campaign to get people sending more mail. Okay. So I don't think that the millennials did this. Uh, I feel like that the post office, uh, I think, was being used less before the millennials got here, Keith. Yeah, this I, is I on Gen X. Yeah, it was on genetics and it's on technology, which sort of straddles the line between, you know, the younger, the older millennials, the younger Gen X. Yeah. But Amanda, are the millennials doing enough online shopping to keep the post office afloat? Yeah, I mean, that is probably true. I mean, when you, we talk about retail in general. I mean, Amazon is just, you know, and, and other online retailers are um huge and i think personally i'm probably doing more than my fair share to keep Mm -hmm. the post office afloat um but um so i guess that this might be about particularly you know paper mail um that's on the decline um right right um but a lot of the paper mail akiva is uh junk mail which uh nobody wants and a lot of like uh you know direct response advertising mm-hmm. that i don't know about the uh effectiveness of it and i think it creates a, a lot of paper waste and i i think it's probably uh, a net negative but I, I don't know to what degree that subsidizes the existence of the postal service are we really going to mourn mail when it's gone? Like, yes. you, like, is this, you know what I mean? Like, is this, a, I mean, the, the mail, like, I wonder if, you know, Amazon, which I don't know, I, Sean was explaining to me and I'm still a little confused. He does, even though he is a federal employee, like, I think have to deliver Amazon packages sometimes. Like, I don't know how it works. Sure, you get Amazon um, stuff through uh, the uh, the postal service. And I don't know at what rate that, you know, uh, if it's sort of a uh, very good deal for Amazon or not. I, th- I think that it is. I don't know. Um, because, like, more people are, like, coming to your house delivering stuff than, obviously, were 20 years ago. But I, I don't know, you know, how it works if the government is involved. or It's crazy. Sometimes it's just like a guy in a car just, like, uh, dropping yeah, box off. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is definitely, it's definitely weird now. And sometimes it's somebody from the post office on a Sunday. Uh, I don't know what goes on. Yeah, that's what Sean said, that he has to work on Sundays delivering Amazon sometimes, I think. Yeah. This whole thing is confusing. I don't know what's going on. Well, I have a question for you guys. I mean, what is your – what are your feelings about sending and receiving things like cards or – Thank, like thank you cards, birthday cards, holiday cards. Um, are do, is that something that when something like that comes in the mail, um, are you excited about that? Are your kids excited about that? Do you still see a place for that kind of paper mailing? Hmm. hmm. Um. Look, th- that stuff should still exist. I think that that all, all that stuff is fine. I I think that there should be twice as much whatever they're charging for the shipping. Double it. And I think it helps the local retail. I, I think it helps uh, the postal service, which I think might lose money. I, I think that, that that's right. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me. Who says no? How's this a bad idea, Akiva? Uh, I, don't, I mean, I think it's give the local idea. retail more of a chance. Yeah. Help out the post office. I know. I, I, I think it's definitely a good idea. Let's let's do it. I don't. I don't know. I, 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 I like. It just seems. First of all, I, I have to add to Amanda's question. I have not sent a piece of mail in like twenty years. Mm-hmm. I don't own a stamp. I wouldn't know how to get a stamp. I couldn't tell you how much stamps cost. Oh, I got stamps, baby. 
You do you have stamps up stamps the yin yang? Stamps.com. <laughs> well, I have stamps.com because they do a lot of shipping for uh, the patron stuff. But, uh, you know, I got to send out, you know, uh, bills and uh, rent and stuff like that. That's yeah, another, maybe my wife yeah. does that stuff because I, I don't I don't do that stuff. But I've never I haven't sent a letter in 15 years. I, I have the I also have the weird thing with mail where it's like you get a birthday card. How long do you keep the birthday card for, guys? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Birthday cards. I just have one. Don't you feel bad like your grandpa yeah, or your grandma throw somebody sends you something and it's but it's like this is trash. I'm not going to keep this forever. Yeah, I got a shoebox my, my family, in which case they, they keep it forever. I got birthday cards from like 15 years ago. Wow. So you all right. Wow. Amanda, you do you throw that stuff out. I do throw that stuff out and I struggle with like, if it's something for my kids, like I'll usually try to like keep it on the refrigerator or somewhere for, you know, a few days, but I'm, I'm always happy to throw that stuff out when I feel like I can get away with it. Here's the line for me. If it says, uh, dear Rob, happy birthday, you know, uh, and Gladys, uh, (laughs) then, uh, you can throw that out. But if then if there's like a actual note in there, I feel like that, uh, I, I end up holding onto it. Well, let's move on to at least one other thing. Not because thing. I'm guys- sentimental, just because I'm guilt-ridden. I think there's a difference. <laughs> um, do you think we have anything that we can bring to snail mail to help the situation as we increase the shipping costs? Um, any other ideas, or should we move on to something else? Hmm. Well, is there anything that the millennials could we incentivize them to be uh, sending stuff in the mail or using the mail or sending letters? to each- I mean, they're doing a lot of the online ordering. Do we want them like writing letters? Right. I was wondering, I mean, I think that you could like try to start like a campaign that would get people to sort of like do this, like vintage DMs or like create this other tier of like social communication because people are so oriented to, you know, apps and doing things on their phones Mm. now. Could we like, could we create like either these special kind of greeting cards or something where millennials would feel like, oh, okay, this shows a special level of investment that would make them want to actually use the postal. What about like Facebook instead of like, hey, it's your five-year friendiversary with that person. What about instead of like, oh, let me post this on my wall. What if you could get that sent to you in the mail? Wait, Rob, who on earth wants that? Do you want that? It's like, hey, nobody even wants that on Facebook. If I got got a letter (laughs) saying like you and Amanda Rabinowitz have been Facebook friends for five years, I would drive to to Palo Alto and and give Mark Zuckerberg an atomic wedgie. I'm just saying like maybe it might be nicer to have the pictures in real life as opposed to then just like is have Facebook going to send this to you? Do you have to pay them? Is this a gift? Like I don't know how this is this is maybe yeah. uh the most interesting idea I've ever heard. <laughs> you don't like it? People like people don't even like when they get they're like, "Oh, great. I've been like I've never spoken to this person, but we've been Facebook friends well, for why, seven why? and a half years." I feel like it's weird to sort of like brag to everybody, "Hey, Akiva and I have been Facebook friends for 5 years now." But uh, what if there was like a, you know, you like to keep a, that stuff private. Yeah, keep it private. It's like yeah. it sort of means something. It's like, "Oh, I'm, like I might like uh do something with this if I had it at my house, put it on my Facebook wall. It's gone in 5 seconds." I well, you, you could have a home Facebook yeah. wall that's just like a bulletin board, <laughs> you know, behind your uh like in your living room or yeah. something. That's like where you'd post your exploits yeah. with your Facebook friends. Did millennials kill the bulletin board also, hmm. Amanda? 
you know, I haven't come across that in uh, in my um, in my research, but I would not be surprised if uh, digital bulletin boards have uh, have destroyed the physical bulletin board. Mm, yeah. I know. I'm sure, Rob. I'm sure your kid's school is, is has bulletin boards up the wazoo. Yeah. Okay. I was just at my mom's nursery school. There are hundreds of bulletin boards. Everything and everything is decorated. Everything's a theme. Okay. All right. So I think bulletin right. boards are are alive and well. Right, let's let's try to get to one more one more of these items. Um, and this one I think is um, this this one's kind of spoke to me. Millennials are killing the doorbell. Hmm. Um, and this was also sent to me by some of our listeners. But um, you know, some of the evidence for this comes from again a viral tweet. Um, can somebody write an article on millennials killing the doorbell industry by texting here? Uh, and there was a lot of enthusiasm in the thread about how people don't like to ring the doorbell. It makes them anxious. Um, what makes them anxious? Are, yeah, that going up to the door and ringing the doorbell is anxiety-provoking. Um, people who don't like to have their doorbell, you know, they don't like to hear the doorbell ring when they're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so millennials are killing the doorbell. What do you guys think of that claim? Hmm. Well, I mean, how does this connect it? Because I don't really know how this works. I don't have one, but the ring uh, thing, and what's the other one that's that's sort of like the lift to the Uber of ring? That like my mom has yeah. one on her door, which is, I guess, what happens. I don't even know how it works. I guess like you would ring the doorbell, it, it and like, and then it turns on, on the ca- the camera. So I have experienced it sort of like a, I don't have anxiety of ringing a doorbell, but in terms of like anytime my doorbell rings, it's like. Oh my God, what's happening? Why is somebody at the, nobody is supposed to be here? So that n- there's almost no good reason a person could ring your doorbell. So you are not expecting somebody, your doorbell rings and 100 times out of a hundred, it's not something good. Like there's, there's no like, uh, Hey, uh, I, you know, I've, I've brought you this thing. Like it's, I, I guess the best case scenario is somebody is like, uh, dropping off a package. And that's it. Uh, you're either being sold something or you're being robbed, Amanda. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So my husband is involved in local politics and does a lot of canvassing. Mm-hmm. And so he talks a lot about how people don't like not to canvas answer. people, not canvas people. No, the kind of political canvassing, um, which I think is one of those things that people are sort of that is, is an unwelcome visitor when somebody knocks on your door to talk to you about um politics most likely but i i, I think that you know that this or sort religion of re- also you get religion. that too akiva what if he knocked on the door and is like uh, can i interest you guys in an exorcism yeah <laughs> maybe maybe he yeah. should try that approach or, Rob, um, would you, would or you be solar cool panels going? that's another one yeah. you get yeah yeah and also amanda if i remember from facebook even though we we haven't been facebook friends for five years yet your husband's like seven <laughs> feet tall so he's just like knocking on people's doors. He's like this giant man. I would have a lot of anxiety as a door-to-door person because I know most people don't want you to answer to begin with. Would, right. I don't, Rob, you're more outgoing. Would you be into that? What, being a door-to-door salesman? Yeah, like back in like the 1930s. I think you would have been good at it. Mm. Chris, Under- Chris Underwood is a door-to-door salesman, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have a feeling that a lot of people open their doors for uh, Chris Underwood uh, knocking, but uh, no, I don't think that I would have uh, yeah, loved... Yeah, last time, but this time I'll let you in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I would have loved that job, but I feel like that there was there was a time and a place where people were bored, 
There was no social media. It's like, oh, good. Somebody's at the door. Yeah. You know, it's something. You had nothing going yeah. on. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like this is a little bit of a trend in like the decline of the neighborhood. Like the whole idea that neighbors don't go and knock on each other's door, that we don't kind of communicate face to face or build communities in our physical spaces. I feel like that is part of this, this uh, millennials killing the doorbell take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know if this is the millennials. I mean, are that many millennials property owners? I mean, I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. Millennials ended. I don't know if you have point. that. Home ownership certainly is very <laughs> Again, the millennial they, it article. They did not kill it. Uh, I think it might have been killed. killed. For it was them. killed. Oh yeah, well, it was killed one of the for things them. Where, yeah, yeah, the boomers killed it for them. Yeah. So once in a while, think about how much my parents paid for their seven bedroom home in like a nice neighborhood, and I'll like cry myself to sleep. <laughs> I get, like I could get like a storage, and this was 1994, not the 50s. My parents aren't that old, mm-hmm. uh, and like uh, you know, I could get like a storage closet at like right. uh, U-Haul for that. Yeah, so I definitely understand uh, why the uh, ringing the doorbell is in, is in decline, but I think it's unfair to say that it's the millennials' fault that they did this. All right. Well, that that's fair enough. Do you want to hear the items that we thought we might want to um, resuscitate? Okay, let me hear it. Yes. All right. So this is what we decided was worth bringing back. Um, we have the top sheet. Yeah, might be worth bringing back. Um, and then we have bar soap. We would like to bring mm-hmm. back cereal. We would like to bring back. And I think that's it. Well, to me, Akiva, that the argument yeah. for the top sheet is the very argument that you make against the bar of soap, where that the the top sheet is sort of this uh, you know protective layer keeping all of the bad stuff out and the good stuff in of your bed, where that you don't want to use, uh, you know, the the bar of soap because it's sort of like out in the environment and collecting germs all day. Well, the top sheet is keeping you safe. Yeah, maybe we make this a listener you- poll, guys. Like, should we should, should we tweet like top sheet cereal or uh, bar of or soap? Bar of soap. Well, and also it's like rebranding. I don't know if the bar of soap needs a full rebrand. I think we just want to make it a little smaller. Cereal, we want to bring cereal for dinner. I think we could really be the, you know, the, mm-hmm. at the forefront of that game. And with the top sheet, we need a new name, but we haven't really nailed the name yet. Hmm. You have the, mm-hmm. the pre-converter, the pre-comforter. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like that. You didn't like that. Do you guys think that the, the top sheet could protect you from demonic uh, possession, too, and then you wouldn't need the exorcism? That, that yes. could be in the ad campaign. That Wellness. could be our, like, we could be like the Geico of, like, yeah, like. Uh, like Dibbucks can't get in the top sheet if you you know <laughs> but they could get in any company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Uh, keep the Dibbucks from leaking uh, into your pre-comforter. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, all right. Are we are we putting this out to the listeners? This is a poll. Yeah. Are you are you fine with that, Amanda? I think that I think we'll have I a think poll, and we'll, we'll bring I, I'm one happy thing with back. that. Millennials haven't killed polling, right, Amanda? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. That might be for another podcast. Okay, we'll ask Nate Silver (laughs) if uh, that's the case. All right. There there is an argument for millennials killing polling, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, 
Anything else that we want to say about the millennials killing stuff? Is there, do we want to let the millennials like uh, get some shots in on uh, Gen X? Is there anything that we can say for the millennial listeners? And we have so many that uh, the Gen X killed. Yeah, I mean, oh, that well, could be like next episode yeah. with like Phil T, right? He could come yeah. right back at Amanda. And, and for the record, <laughs> the Gen X is not the natural enemy of the millennials. It's the baby boomers. No. Like, leave us oh, out yeah, of this. Yeah, we're both at a war together with the boomers. <laughs> yeah. No, no that's, yeah, yeah. yeah no, the, the millennials and, boomer, and like. the Gen Xers need to team up. And, um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Amanda, is the natural uh, sequel to this podcast, uh, Baby Boomers Killed It, of the things ah. that uh, were... <laughs> yeah, we just talk about social security and health insurance. It would be less fun. It would be less fun. <laughs> be more that, fun to talk about the things the millennials that right. we can blame yeah, them for. So. It would be more serious. It would be like... Uh, yeah, so like the entire like political system. Yeah, it would it would be a bad episode. Okay, not the right. wrong Amer- podcast, American I democracy. Yep. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. All right. So oh. all right. So we'll keep it light with the um with the millennials. All right. I mean, are you going to stick around for our talk about the wheel? Oh, I would love to. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into our uh, without the assistance of the postal service. Uh, let's talk about our mailbag. Okay, all right. Time to get into Mount Renatmore, Keeve, and talk about what the listeners want to hear added to the very illustrious Robna Kiva Need a Podcast wheel. Yeah, and I'm excited to have Amanda here because, Amanda, this was your idea, right? Millennials killed it. This was your original pitch. Am I correct? Yes, it was. Yeah, this Great was her job. pitch. And Amanda also pitched, um, about 10 people pitched this, but she did have maybe the most clear idea of the podcaster's Royal Rumble. Yes. Uh, mm. a, a, like a germ of it. I think her idea was maybe a brand steel, which became a right. video game. But but she even, you know, pitched a list of people. And, and so she has got some some real good ideas. OK. And do, you, um, and, do you guys, and do you guys know that I named this podcast? Oh, yes, that's correct. We, that we really buried the lead. We should have mentioned that like two <laughs> hours ago, Rob. Okay. All right. So many, many contributions for <laughs> Dr. Amanda Rabinowitz. That is a big one. We should really, uh, we maybe have someone uh, cut that audio at some point. We should have. Okay. If this was a, if we had like a producer. Yes. No. Well, we really uh, should uh, have a producer. We Rob. should. Yes. Uh, well, we just, it may, maybe that we, we really need to uh, build out in the uh, Rob has a podcast wiki, uh, a whole wing for Renat. Yeah, but I'm saying like, you know, if we had like, if this was a, prof- if this was Reply All, which has eight people working full time mm-hmm. on a show that releases like <laughs> once a month and sometimes it's just like talking about something on the internet for an hour, yes. the, uh, 40 minutes, uh, like if we had one producer, they would have been, I would have been like, hey, uh, you know, like <laughs> cut the audio Why are you talking where voice? Ama- from like, from the, the pre-episode I think it's like negative one or negative Are we two. hiring a producer? Is that what you're saying? Well, if for zero dollars. I like. I think technically, Jess Sterling is our is a is an unpaid like. Uh, I'd say for associate producer, we're hiring for zero dollars, but that's uh, negotiable. Like I feel like yeah, that, negotiable. That, yeah, I mean, this is a, I, a very small. Well, budget. because I think actually it's worth talking about in the mail because you had an amazing idea last week. Um, oh, but just to, just to finish what I was saying about the producer, yeah, like because I would have said like, hey, cut the audio, uh, where where Amanda comes up with the idea, which I assume happened on one of the pre episodes when we were still in the Seinfeld mm-hmm. feed. 
Yeah. Uh, but also right. I forgot about it till till she just No, and so and Akiva anyway. and and you famously had said many many times, uh it's not a great name, but we'll probably replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. I said that then, but now I think it is a great name. I I do think the yeah. acronym's not great. We we get no, it's uh, fantastic. a lot of emails, <laughs> but R A A N A P it's always a mistake. Like I'm, a listener has I'm never I'm a fan correctly. of bad acronyms, yeah. A listener it's always Rob, it's always R A N A P or R A A N P. There's yeah. it's never accurate. Hold on. Uh um, you you had said that last week I had a great idea and I wasn't sure if you finished that thought. Okay. So last week Rob said, uh, Amanda, have you heard about the Sleepover podcast? Oh yeah. So Rob and I, if you if you if you're not familiar with who we're talking about, we recorded three episodes in one day in Minnesota. Two of them aired. One was the ice cream tournament, one was the Rob and Akiva Live from Minnesota talk show. And then we did a episode at night where uh, in a hotel conference room, uh, started in a, in a hotel room where we had a sleepover mm-hmm. podcast, which will never hear the light of day. That's official. Mm-hmm. However, Rob had the amazing idea to do a oral history of that episode, which I think would entail someone calling up uh, most, doesn't have to be all the participants, me, Rob, Chester, yeah. Ali Lasher, who was there via phone. Yeah. And a, you know, maybe five, a, a cross sampling, like five of the listeners who were there uh, and interviewing them and putting together a story about what happened. I think it would be the best episode in any podcast history. OK, so it would be basically would we outsource this? Do we are we looking for somebody who is like a field producer who yes. would be able to interview me, you, Chester, Ali Lasher and any thrashers. of the people. Yeah, yeah, all of the people. Uh, by the way, I'm wearing my uh, T-shirt uh, sent uh, to us by the thrashers today mm-hmm. uh, and all of the parties involved and then putting this all together. And then yes. that completed work would be the episode. Yes. We wouldn't even be hosting the episode. It would literally be them just, you know, it, they would be the host of the episode. So if you want... If you know how to edit an, edit an episode, right, and you want your own episode of RANAP, yeah, uh, get in touch with me, and then uh, you know you you have it. It's on the wheel. It's yours. Well, I'll give you the list of people to interview, and and you'll run with it, and it'll be it'll be gold. Do you want a resume piece from anybody? Like if somebody, Rob, if ten people email me, then we'll get to that. But I'll, <laughs> I'll be thrilled if one person. <laughs> All right, we're, we're essentially asking for a lot of labor here. So okay. You know, if multiple people do it, then I will pit them against each other. And if 32 people want to do it, we'll make it into a bracket and we'll do a whole episode about okay. picking the person to do the episode. Amanda, as a, a noted connoisseur of what makes a good Renap episode, do you think that this is it? I think that this is a great idea. And having missed the Sleepover podcast, I am incredibly intrigued. It's one of my greatest regrets in all of my life that I've, um, mm-hmm. you know, missed mini Renapolis. Uh, um, yeah. I think it's a great idea. Uh, granted, you would definitely need to identify the person who has the skills and the time to do justice to it. But I think yeah. if it executes, time is a it big would one. be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amanda, are you going to, do you like the idea of us having a bracket for 2020? For which city we go to for our next live show, sort of mini uh, Rehapcon type thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that you guys are going to potentially do this again, so I'll have an opportunity to go. Um, I mm-hmm. I fear that my city will not be, um, you know, in the running since um, Rehap was just recently here. But no, um, I, yeah. I don't think that's a disqualifying factor, Rob. Right. I don't know if it's disqualifying, but I feel like for 2020, I feel like that yeah. I would I will be inundated say, if, with. If we're what, following the again? Mets, 
Yes. Rob, if we're following the Mets, there are very few better cities than Philadelphia because they're yeah. there three times a year. So Akiva, that we got a caller into one of the recent uh, Rob has a patron cast where then mm-hmm. the uh, the patrons call in once a month and I take uh, phone calls uh, from them, not to be confused with Facebook Friday, which goes on every week, Akiva. But mm-hmm. on the recent patron cast for the at the end of July that one of our listeners, Bengal Scott, had proposed. Did you hear this idea yet? I have not, although okay. I know I know Bengal Scott. I've seen him on Facebook Fridays or whatever. Yes, Bengal Scott proposed that we should have a Robin Akiva need a podcast night at a minor league ballpark. And so oh, okay. that the minor league ballparks are so desperate just to get bodies into the building, they mm-hmm. would probably let us have a Robin Akiva need a podcast night where we would probably yeah. throw out the first pitch. If we were going to be bringing in, you know, 70 or 100 people, what mm-hmm. we potentially would do there is then have our listeners reach out to their local minor league affiliates to see Mm -hmm. who is going to do the most to have us in attendance for a Robin Akiva need a podcast night at a minor Mm -hmm. league ballpark. Now, what level? I love this idea from Bengal Scott. I, I don't. I wonder if he lives. I mean, is he from Cincinnati? Because I know he's a Bengals guy. He, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't live there now. Okay, so I don't know if he if he has a particular team in mind. I wonder though, Rob. Do you think? And this may this question may be over the sports knowledge level of Amanda. Um, at least <laughs> I know certainly. she's not into football. Are you into baseball, yeah. Amanda? I know you hate football. I'm not. I'm not a big. Oh, you hate person. all sports, right? You, mm-hmm. I knew that you hate all sports. So, I don't hate um, all sports. not a lot of CTE <laughs> in baseball, though. No, yeah, no. that's true. I we get CT from being Mets fans, though. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, like, do you think we're triple A level, like Indianapolis, Omaha, or are we like low A minor? I, I think we're level? low A minor yeah, leagues. I, I agree. Like, I, I agree. but I, just, I do feel like that we could conceivably have some minor league affiliate. I mean, uh, I I could see us, you know, calling the game uh, at one of these uh, ballparks. No, Rob, that is that is a bridge too far. I do not think. <laughs> We could call it. I mean, like maybe, maybe the maybe like Rob is a maybe like you and and like uh, Stephen could call a game. I don't know if Renap can call a game. Uh, like I, no, I, feel I don't like know. The reply Let's, all I guys, mean, PJ and Alex, they could call a game. How, sure how many minor league stadiums are there? I mean, let who will offer I mean, each, us the each, most right. for uh, Robin Akiva? Are you willing to go independent league, Rob, or does it need to be a major league who baseball cares? affiliate team? Who cares? Okay, all right, fine. There's so a even stadium. Long Island Ducks, we would listen. Where you know we they, we have a window of time that you yeah. are going to be there, and who will do the most for us? Who are the least? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and and maybe they have like a room where there where we could record the episode before or after or something. Right. We let's just, let's kill it, or we do it like on the field. We could do it afterwards on the field. All right, I like this. What about the guy who wants us to come to Belgium? I don't think there's any minor league baseball in Belgium, though. Yeah, I don't know. What's the appeal of Belgium? You don't even like chocolate. Waffles? Yeah. I don't. That's true. I, I do hate chocolate. So. Mm, okay. Amanda, um, as a noted not sports fan, would would a Robinick even need a podcast night at uh, a minor league baseball ballpark? Would that be at all interesting to you? Yeah, I would I would go to that if it was uh yeah, I would do that. I mean, that's um it's, you know, when you go to a ballpark it's not always about paying attention to the game the whole right. time. So I think And it if would you be go fun. to a minor league ballpark it's never about paying yeah, attention. Yeah, we're not going to be paying attention at all about the game. It's yeah. just going to be partying, you know, everybody yeah. be uh talking and uh, you know, 
Uh, do they have any sort of like a suite or like some sort of like a party place? Could we be the race? Like if maybe thrust first pitch, <laughs> could we be the racers? Could I be like mayo and you could be the ketchup bottle and Amanda could be the mustard? Yeah. Uh, look, we're, 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 uh, how much will a minor freeze. league ballpark cater yes. to right. Renap? That's, I bet you have listeners question. who work for a minor league team also. That's what I'm saying. I, I think this is a yeah. great idea. Like, uh, again, we were lucky that they let me on the Jumbotron, uh, courtesy yeah. of one of our listeners, Josh, in the uh, at the Twins ballpark at Target Field. Yeah. So, you know, what, what would a minor league ballpark do for us? Yeah. I, OK, so I like it. All right. Um, all right. Uh, Amanda, while I while I read some ideas, if, also, if you have one, uh, we would love to hear another Amanda's uh, original idea. <laughs> Jonathan writes in and says, I would like to hear. Uh, an episode called The Renap Tank. Renap Tank. Since everyone seemed to enjoy Total Idea Request Live, I'm proposing a, new, a unique twist on the original concept. Everyone and their grandmother seems to have an idea. Season. Yeah, a, an idea for a pitch or invention, the next million dollar, million dollar idea. Rather than have listeners pitch things for the wheel, I think it would be cool to hear them pitch their dream inventions. Each caller would have 45 seconds to pitch their product to you guys and maybe one guest podcaster a la Shark Tank. You discuss the invention, its feasibility, whether it would be actually useful, and assign it a score or ranking. Alternatively, you could start each with an imaginary budget and bid on the ideas you like. The podcast would be called Robin Kiva Invent, Reinvent the Wheel or a Nap Tank. Hmm. What do you think about that, Amanda? I, I think that there's I think that there's something there. Um, so you would need to schedule to get all like a, a handful of listeners to appear on the show to pitch. Their oh, ideas. is it? Li- I guess it's live, like sort of they're calling in. My my problem with this, Rob, uh, and I'd like to hear your idea on the, the general idea. I, I think when we're, we're relying wholly on user submissions rather than having one, you know, particular user, like uh, one particular listener, like Amanda coming in, Uh, when we're relying on like a little bit from a lot of people is sometimes like they don't come through because it's just too specific. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are we going to get 20 people who have, or even eight people who have funny ideas? I almost think we should work backwards. This is what I think we've learned from 44 episodes is like, have a couple of people with funny ideas and then like, okay, fine. I'm sure, you know, three have funny ideas. I'm sure we'll find five more rather than like, you know, green lighting an idea where we have no funny ideas for. Hmm. Yeah, like if people are like, oh, I've got a killer thing that you uh, yeah, guys. Yeah, I, I agree. On this thing. is too high concept to rely yeah. on user submissions. Where yeah. if there was one listener who was like, "Hey, I am an inventor, and I've got the you know ideas for nine different inventions yeah. that are going to revolutionize the world." Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, these are fictional inventions mm-hmm. that people don't yeah. necessarily have the wherewithal to make themselves, but are sort of right. like. What are we doing then? Like we're not Mark Cuban where we're like giving them a hundred thousand dollars to make the idea. So like how do you how do you really win this? You know, what do you get from winning? Nothing. Yeah, I think it's a little too complicated. Yeah. Well sorry. If you like if you like complicated, then this next one might be for you. Oh good. Uh I don't have the listener's name, but I think I took it out on purpose. Uh <laughs> long story short, I can fill no, you'll you'll understand in a second. I can fill in the details were requested. But a few years ago, someone I know posed as a catfish version of myself on Facebook. They used all my photos in an effort to acquire multiple online relationships where he acquired, acquired scandalous photos. Eventually, one of the girls found out and informed me of his page. I proceeded to call him out on it, and he denied everything and then shortly after moved 2,600 miles away. Perhaps the most interesting development is that I just decided to search this person's name again, the fake name that he used last time, which he had reported to Facebook. And it turns out he's reset up the page, the fake name where he's catfishing women on. 
Hmm. Wouldn't it be funny to get some listeners to try and add this unnamed person as a friend and see what happens? Can Robin Akiva catfish the catfish? Okay. <laughs> now, this listener, I just want to make sure I get the story straight. So this listener, uh, and you know who this person is. You don't need to say their name. I do, but this was this was pitched a while ago. Okay. Is this? Uh, so is this? They may li- have to re out. And, and have you? Have you? Do you know what this person looks like? Are they like an incredibly good looking guy? I think I, I like my. I don't know if I said this, but my first thought was like, "Oh, no one would ever do this with me." Like, you must be a good-looking person, but I don't okay, remember. But you don't know. Okay, I think it was a DM. I'm not sure if I saw and that. and then so this per this person. Uh, uh, here's what I'm worried about. Yeah, is this is, is this person catfishing us right now and has really just set up the like there is no third person and this person has just set up some alt Facebook account and then wants to see what our listeners are going yeah. to do and then, and then he's going like, to capture the listeners fake catfishing like, us and then whatever we get back from this person is like oh my god my friend is so crazy it's a, i mean it's a good question okay so i just found i i searched his his uh, tweet and i found him yeah amanda no good can come from this right yeah yeah i mean i this, this is dicey like if i was actually in the situation i'm gonna say where- this guy is very good looking Hmm. Okay. Um, if I was in a situation where somebody was doing this to me with my identity online, the I would not go to a podcast <laughs> to try to like, um, you know, do a reverse catfish on. That wouldn't be the remedy that I was seeking. Yeah. I mean, but Amanda, let me ask you a question. You have two sons, right? Hmm. Hmm. If you were looking for a name for one of those children, would you have gone to a podcast? People <laughs> have different tastes than you. <laughs> Hmm. All right. And you did Fair you did enough. give us the rights to any potential number three. You did say that. And as, if your I, kids I have don't, kids, we could name I, I don't believe I said <laughs> that. But um <laughs> So I, I think you're playing. Um, right. I think person you're playing with fire say, here. Yeah. Yeah. You think we're 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 putting, let's say, a potential fake woman in danger. Is that what you're saying? Like if we said, Hey, uh, Claire, can you be our catfisher? Then we are now you know, lo- you know, maybe uh searching, you know, putting uh, Claire in contact with this complete lunatic. Is that risky? I don't think you want to encourage any of the contact with this uh, suspect. What if it's a guy? Page. What if we may have like John John pretend to be a woman and do it? <laughs> no, no, no. All right. All right. Look, if at some point we're like in the 100s and the show's really in a rut, let's yeah, save this for the yeah. back burner. This could yeah, be okay. sort of. When we want to get canceled, we'll catfish the catfish. Not that we want to get canceled, but have him yeah, we, we need things for him. shock value to really uh, get people okay. like uh, paying yeah, attention. I, I do give this person credit for uh, an idea. I think it's a very fun idea. Yeah. It might be a little too out there. Uh, what about Robin Akiva sellout? Robin Akiva used the podcast to advertise a random product or company. They're not being paid to advertise. Through a combination of banter, a quiz, listeners, listener endorsements, and reviews of existing promotional materials. Possibilities include Cheerios, Dove Soap. Oh, Dan, who wrote in here. Dan Snensky, <laughs> you have no idea what you just got into with Dove Soap. Connect for Trader Joe's or Staples. I think the more boring the thing is that you're advertising, the better it is for the podcast. Mm. So we're just Rob, like... I like the name Robin Akiva Sellout, first of all. Mm-hmm. But we're just like promoting some random product for no reason. 
All right, so it sounds like you're lukewarm on this idea, Robin Akiva sellout. Uh, lukewarm is, I think, an overstatement. Uh, oh, shots if yeah. it was, maybe if there was like a, a bracket of like products that wanted our endorsement, sure, and yes. we were going to go th- go through them. But I think yeah, bring that's... us eight products that will advertise, and we will put them in a bracket and let them. And then we we can sell out for those products yes, that might hundred <laughs> percent that might want us, but. Uh, just for like uh, standing up a random product for no reason. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what the end goal is. Ian says Robin Akiva. This uh, this podcast would be called Robin Akiva Need a Comcast. Robin Akiva discussed the history and current <laughs> events regarding the second largest broadcasting cable company in the world. Topics could include items such as customer service reviews, the acquisition of NBC Universal, the ridiculous use of the name Xfinity, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is fun. Uh, did you get one from John Tankham? Uh, I, I didn't catch it. He uh, sends in a lot of ideas. Yeah, he sends in a lot of ideas. Um, I'm pretty sure he sent this on Twitter where he pitched uh, Robin Akiva need a, in parenthetical, rom-comcast where uh, it was. Oh, yes, do... I did see that. I, did see <laughs> yeah, that. I just had... didn't want to watch rom-com, so I didn't, I didn't include it, but it was good. Yeah. So I think we're watching too many movies already. That's my problem. Okay, so you're out on the the rom com cast. It's a uh, funny name, but I don't know if there was like a killer rom com we needed to watch and a good guest who was obsessed with it. I would be fine with, but I think we're 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 overflowing with with movies we yeah. need to watch. Uh, this was from July 31st. Uh, John tweeted, uh, Rob McKeever needed a rom-com cast. Rob Sesternino and Akiva watched the 2002 rom-com Two Weeks Notice, which is Mike Piazza's only acting credit oh, okay. and includes yeah. a scene at Shea Stadium. Discussed the typical rom-com tropes used in the movie as well as Piazza's acting chops. So that was the pitch for Yeah, it's a funny idea. I, I also like the idea of not adding... I don't know how you feel about this to the fishbowl, the crack movie diaper, because there's so many things in there. I, th- I like the idea of like it eventually getting small. Okay. It's like being low down on that. So All I, right. I almost don't want to add anything. There. Amanda, are, yeah. are you interested in us talking about the media conglomerate Comcast? Uh, well, you know, Comcast has headquarters in Philadelphia, and I certainly mm. have my own opinions about their customer service. Um, but I, Famously I feel like great. this is yeah, famously great. This is like, one of those uh, things where there's like a clever name and then you try to kind of hobble an idea around it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think I probably two thumbs sideways on this hmm. one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if anybody's uh, pumped up about it uh, unless people are sort of like sharing like their cable and Internet yeah, like customer service. If you collected like a bunch of terrible customer service stories, I mean, that maybe not it's a big enemy to make Comcast. Amanda. They could come after. Us. Yeah, true. Um, a big corporate behemoth. Yeah, uh, I am. And dealing- I, am, I am a former employee. I may have to sit out. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am dealing with my own uh, very unpleasant customer service experience with uh, my internet service provider, which is uh, Spectrum, formerly oh. Time Warner. What I really uh, hate what they do, Amanda, is that they, they just keep changing their name because they have such bad... Everybody has such terrible customer service. That it's like every just, moving company yeah, in the world. They, they get just, like 20 like, bad reviews. They, they just, just change... Like, like, and this yeah. is like a, a real thing. They just change their name every couple of years to a different word. And then just to, just to try to hide from all of the bad reviews. Yep, it's one way. It's one way to deal. I heard with a the podcast problem. did that once. <laughs> what what, what <laughs> podcast did it? Us? No, it wasn't us. Okay. 
uh, is it a, a different podcast uh, that that I am on? No, 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 no. It's uh, it's the one that that uh, that the RHP people went after. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pod by pod, pod by pod. Yeah, they had to do that. Uh, so. Uh, uh, it might be fun, but uh, you know, I don't know how long the like. Sometimes they're, the, they're idea, all the, same. the the name yeah. is funnier than the full idea. Although I give him, I give Ian points for being clever. Matt Elpern says, "What about Robin Akiva Flat Earthers? We watch the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve, and we discuss the Flat Earth Society. We talk about how they do experiments, have conventions, podcasts, and shows." Stop normalizing <laughs> flat earthing okay well, maybe we're not gonna normalize them. Maybe we'll be no, the ones to no, finally no. dunk them into the ground. Amanda, you're, you're with me on this, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe this could be a segment in a conspirapod, um, mm. but I don't know if this deserves its own platform. Don't elevate yeah. them, because yeah, even I, if there's one person that's like, hey, you know what? That kind of makes sense. Uh, you're you're mm-hmm. doing harm. Yeah. Right, right. I hear you. Do no harm. That is the oath we signed as podcasters. Yes, that's the <laughs> podcaster's oath. The podcast critical's oath. Uh, Amanda, do you, have a, do you have a pitch for us? Um. The only thing that I have right now is is kind of a, a silly idea, and I think I emailed this to you at some point, Akiva. So I assume that um, it's already been um, put in the reject pile. But uh, mm-hmm. my idea was um, your tweets are gold, and we basically have T Bird um, go and form a uh, an online friendship with T Dub, and then come on and defend no, all out. of his. There's <laughs> <laughs> yes. only one of those people still on Twitter. Yeah, uh, so. Uh, I uh, this is breaking news to me because I had not uh, been following. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you why I missed this. Uh, I because this did not sound familiar, and I usually at least take a a quick glance of Rooney at each email. Uh-huh. When you emailed on May fifth, and you said Robin Akiva have a PR firm slash millennials kill diversion. Robin Akiva rehabilitates some of the victims of millennial culture, mayonnaise, home ownership, handshakes, bar soap. Really, you uh, envisioned this uh, uh, five months ago, and then the second tweet was your tweets are gold. So I sort of missed it because how mm. often does an email get two different ideas on the wheel? But yeah, Teresa Bird Cooper. Yeah, this was never going to yes. make it. But it is, <laughs> it is, uh, it is funny that you sent in two. Yeah, um, I thought that yeah, it was going like to be the idea about if your tweets are gold. Yeah. What, what would that podcast be? Just totally wipe the slate clean. Well, Amanda. I, I thought you wanted just a deep dive of T Birds. Uh, well, Twitter that feed. would yeah. be that. That would Kiva be goes through too. every single tweet ever from <laughs> T Bird and uh, talks about all how of many, the gems. How many times as Teresa Cooper tweeted probably less than a hundred thousand i would guess <laughs> i would think she has tweeted oh, less God. than a hundred thousand times yeah so maybe <laughs> that maybe that could be a short episode i don't know maybe we'll have her we're gonna have her on at t-bird cooper mm-hmm. uh she has tweeted 3665 times maybe we'll have her on maybe we'll do a brief uh t-bird your tweets are well she is the the guest for the uh season three episode seven of survivor of survivor that yes that yeah. is true mm. i'll tell you the issue with the it would be a 10-hour podcast because every tweet i see from her is a megillah every single tweet yes. is a retweet with uh, <laughs> she uses all to yes. listen she lives life like, to the fullest and like, she uses all hey, 280 at characters 26. in every tweet. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just want to say that I love the most recent podcast that you did. Uh, you know, I love. I really th- looking at her tweets. I think she gets extra characters. I've never seen this many characters in a tweet before. Yeah, I don't know. If maybe the tweet. names don't count. Do the names count in the, in the? I don't know. They're they're long. Oh, yeah, I think the they're, names don't. So, I, but yeah. we could do that. She's a good tweeter. We could have. We, we we should we should signal boost T Bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, force for good. <laughs> Yes. yes. Uh, we will ho- hopefully one day have her have her on. Could be next week. Who knows? Uh, hmm. Season three, episode seven has a spot on the wheel. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so I think the big conclusion from today, Rob, is we did not add anything to the wheel, is the main thing we want to add to the wheel is... Uh, the oral history. The, the oral history of the Sleepover Podcast. We just need some help from you, the listener at home. Okay. All right. So let's talk about what is hanging out there on the wheel. Season three, episode seven is back, and it's back to two spots. Is that correct? No, Akiva? one spot. It's zero, one, two. Okay, zero, one, two. Okay. Uh, Amanda, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think that's good. I like it when the other uh, when the other stuff on the wheel has a good chance. So has a chance, yeah. Keep it yeah. low for a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It it always gets there eventually. Season three, episode seven. All right, then we've got our coin flip. Then the Oregon Trail. We have the infomercials. Our trash. We have the Royal Rumble. We have our crappy movie diaper. We got the census. We've got the sequel mechanism, which would be stands versus ops. Uh, can we add the what? What's it called? What's what's the uh, what's the, the oh no, the I'm evil not spirit? Okay, uh, if don't... you want, if you want to mess with, they that, could win. I don't want you want to get haunted at night. That's that's okay. prerogative. All right. Um, then we've got if you Mount want Rushmore. one dibbic on the season. Maybe we have a dibbic. Yeah. All right. Then we have, uh, or should we rename the ops to the dibics? <laughs> Again, I don't know. I, I think I think it's a slippery slope. Stands versus Dibix. Okay. Uh, then uh, Millennial Judge is out, right? No, uh, no, Ali Lasher. Yeah, Ali, Ali Lasher's needs, I think, two more weeks. Okay. Uh, Canadian shows are trash. Is on the wheel. Roast of Robin Akiva, I think, is on Yadis, right? It's on Yadis. Yeah, Ali's okay. on that, and also there's so many people on that episode. The idea just makes me nervous. Okay. Better attend where we go see a movie. Uh, uh, the, the status of Better Attend, by the way, is a little complicated this week. I I, of course, do tons of pre-prep for this podcast, and I looked yes. and saw the top 10 Rotten Tomatoes list, and there's nothing with even close to under 50%. However, there is an all-female sort of action movie coming out this week, the name of which, I think it's called The Kitchen or something, The Fridge? Mm-hmm. Something like that. I think it's The Kitchen, which has like a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. But if we land on it right now, it's first coming out tomorrow. Uh, so it's like weird to pick a movie that's not even out yet. That's like ostensibly getting bad reviews. I don't know what you'd what what you think about that. All right, let's cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, okay, if we comes, we could argue about it. But uh, but it is it is in, like maybe the, some weeks there will just be no bad movie to see. The hot takeoff is on the wheel, and the people's mm-hmm. choice is on the wheel. So very very uh, excited. Uh, about hot that. takeoff, uh, Edwin, great listener, Edwin. I think has a great twist. Which, Ed Joe, which Ed Joe, which I think is uh, we do a hot take tournament where. Um, uh, eight or sixteen or thirty-two or sixty-four hundred twenty-eight, whatever it is, people um, submit. Let's say it's eight people, each submitting four ideas, or sixteen people submitting four ideas, and basically it will be a matchup. So I submit an idea, and and Amanda submits an idea, and Amanda wins. And the next round, we're not just saying the same idea four times because it loses its oomph, right? When you're saying the same take four times, so she has to. Ha- it's like a slam dunk contest. You have to have a second take for the next round. Ah. So it will be a winner of the hot takeoff has to may have to have up to four different smoking hot takes. And mm-hmm. do you lead with your best take or do you save it for the championship, which you may never get to? Yeah. What do you think about that, Rob? I like this. I, I think it's very exciting, but I think that we are really putting uh, a lot of faith in the fact that we have at least eight listeners that have four scorching hot takes. I think I, I agree. I, but I, I, I'll work that. I'll like, I'll like Edjo. He's stuck. He's got to do it. Like I will personally ask individual listeners to, to come up with the takes for us. 
Okay. So, like, we won't have to rely on user submission, although we will allow it if they want to submit. Okay. All right. Amanda, you like that? Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. I think that's exciting. All right. Like, shut up, Tim. You're stuck. You have to give us four takes. All right. Jill Bell Klein, too bad. You got to give us the takes. Uh, in terms of the uh, figuring out the tech on that could be a little bit of a nightmare, but we'll, we'll cross no, no, that. No, no. They could, they could be handwritten. I don't think they all need to be there. Oh, I mean, okay. if you want, they can, especially if we go to 816, then it becomes like logistically bananas. Yeah. But I, I, but I just in I, terms of finding a recording is, time. Yeah. 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 Well, I think I thought that was too common. I think it could be pre recorded. What we could do is call the two winners, like the two finalists, and have them say their take live, something like that. Okay. All right. So, all right. So basically, they're submitting four takes. Uh, and yeah, then- because I think, I mean, to get eight people at that point is, it seems just, is that why you thought it would be? complicated because yeah i think that's yeah that's yeah. not doable. okay all right so all right we got the wheel open and we are ready to go uh amanda any other thoughts before the, this week's wheel spin no let's get to the wheel spin okay let's spin the wheel episode number 45 coming up did you say the census rob yeah oh, okay why is that not is that not in the mix no it is i just i didn't hear the census i was thinking well yeah. amanda what are you rooting for before rob spins oh man um well, uh, the Royal Rumble would be really exciting. Um, I'm mm-hmm. also really excited for the census. Um, I think yeah. that those are probably my two um, my two favorites on the wheel right now. Oh, Akiva, I, I meant to say that we should add, are you uh, a Furley or Ropers to the <laughs> census? Oh, okay. Are you a Furley team or a Roper? Yeah. Um, R- Rob. Yes. Do you want to prove that you are a witch or not a witch? No, like I do not. Uh, I, I don't. Because then the Dybbuk, <laughs> do you think if you're a witch, the Dybbuk will be less yeah. likely to spook you? Uh, no, I don't know. I think that you're inviting more of that stuff in. Okay? Yeah, I, I guess they might want to be friends with you or something. All right. Let, let's spin the wheel. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Episode number 45 coming up next week. All right. We have. Oh, this is uh, very exciting. Keith. What is it? Yeah, it has been on the wheel for quite some time, and we oh, will finally take a ride on oh, no. the Oregon Trail. Wow! Since episode two, I think. Yes, it's, it's been on there for a year. Amanda, your reaction? Wow! Um, is this? Do we have a? Is this one that w- there's a guest on deck for? Not currently. Okay. Okay. It's possible. Well, this is this is exciting. I mean, I have memories of having played the Oregon Trail as a child. I recently, my nephew, who's 16 years old, had an Oregon Trail handheld video game. Um, so I became reacquainted with it. It has like the whole old school look. So, um, yeah, this is I'm, I'm very curious to see how this one turns out, like what what this is going to look like. All right. Now, Amanda, do you think we should we be like a banker and have so much money that we're playing the game on easy mode or do you or do you like do you go in cash strapped? What's your move? Mm. Um, you know what? I feel like I never wanted to, like, I always felt uncomfortable choosing the banker. There seemed like something mm-hmm. yeah. cheating about that. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's not the spirit of the game. Uh-huh. I think you want to go. I you think you want to die when you run out of food. Right. No, I, I think we need the drama. I think yeah, that we, we can't, we drama. can't do it on easy mode. Nobody, nobody wants yeah. to hear a bunch of, you know, rich bankers, uh, traveling across the country. But <laughs> we have to kill a lot of boars or whatever those big animal are, you know. 
PETA might come after us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Kill a lot of those. And don't, Rob, we're not wasting bullets next week on the rabbits. They won't give you one pound. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> okay. I, I played around with the Oregon Trail for a few minutes just to see if, like, the game was still playable on, like, regular free internet mode yeah. uh, a couple months ago, and it was great. Okay. Uh, we're going to like it. Keeve, awesome. could we potentially, like we did with the Jets versus the Patriots, could we find one of our listeners and have them play out the game on YouTube and then they could just yada yada the hunting. And so yeah. we are just going to be watching a YouTube video. We'll sync it up and then let our listeners also watch along with us for the visual. So it's, a super, it's a super interesting idea, Rob. The issue is I think us making decisions that lead to our either success or ultimate demise is more fun. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. I think we, there are a lot of decisions you have to make. What to We're spend have to money talk on, this through. when to go hunting, Right. I think it's more fun, but we also have to make, you know, your group is, I believe, five people. So we have to we have to think of three people to add. OK, should we have like three guests and then like if they die, they're just off the episode. Oh, I like that. OK. All like, right. What if we have what if we have we get a group of five that go on the trail? Sure. This let's week? let's do that. OK, so maybe if people w- want to be in consideration to go on the Oregon Trail with us, you have to be available next weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then uh, shoot us an email, Renap, with uh, one or two A's in, in, uh, mm-hmm. before the end at robiswebsite.com or Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps and tell us why, what you would bring to the Oregon Trail. And then when you're dead, we, you hang up, we, we're going to hang up on you. Yeah, we get to stay on if we die. Yeah. We will be a little quieter. Right. Like, I don't think, I don't think Rob has to go. Right. And anybody that to, like, lives gets to stay on for the wheel spin. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> if you and I feel like usually you win or die together. Sometimes you lose someone to like cholera or something, but like usually dysentery because like, you yeah. could drown or something. Yeah. You know, you, if you don't cork, if you don't cork the wagon or whatever. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to be living on the wild side. What if we die in the first five minutes? Do we play a second time? No, that's it. it that's it. Then we go to then we go to the wheel spin. That might be the shortest episode in Renap history. Could be. Or we might have to go hunting 500 times. Well, I think we'd have like a little bit of a postmortem of what we did wrong. Yeah, but what if we just like die of, of, of like, uh, of, um, you know, like diarrhea or whatever in like the first 10 minutes? Well, we're not going to start again. That's it. You get one shot. We just don't tell people we died, and then that's and then no, no, stop, stop, stop. This is it. That's it. Uh, If people get the podcast next week and it's forty-five minutes, they'll know what happened. Yeah, that is a spoiler. Maybe can you? How about this? If it's that short, you'll include like an hour and a half of dead air. Hour and a half of dead air. Yeah, not give the whole thing away. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, does that all sound good? Uh, yeah, I love it. That's perfect. I would love to download an hour of dead air on my phone. Did millennials kill the Oregon Trail? I think millennials are bringing it back, or maybe it's Gen Z. But I feel like I there's there's Oregon Trail in the ether again. So I I, I don't think millennials have killed it, but maybe um, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find out and see if the popularity of next week's episode holds up. Okay, Amanda, should listeners from Oregon get special consideration when when we're having guests next week? If they know the terrain, yeah, yeah. If, if they're like really if they're really familiar with it, then I think that helps. Okay. All right, Amanda, thank you for all of your uh, contributions today and telling us about all the things that the millennials have uh, potentially killed off and how much they are to blame for all of that. You can follow Amanda on Twitter. She's A. Rabinow on Twitter. That's right. Yep. 
That's right. A-R-A-B-I-N-O-W. And I won't ask you to weigh in on how good or bad that uh, <laughs> Twitter handle is. Um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. A Rabinowitz was taken, I'm assuming. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know, Akiva. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. To be, I feel like that mm-hmm. was like my email address at the time um, that I got mm-hmm. assigned from, um, you know, whatever school. You could or, change it uh, now. What about like A. Rabinowitz or Dr. A. Rabinowitz or something? Yeah, maybe. Dr. Maybe, Amanda? Dr. Amanda's doc- probably taken. Probably. I'll, I'll, I'll consider it. I'll consider okay. it. Thank- okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is like my favorite podcast of all time. So this was really get out of here for real. This episode I, in particular. Well, I don't know about this episode. No, <laughs> I mean I, I'm a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge Robin Akiva stand. I loved, I love the Seinfeld podcast. I love like the Robin Akiva chemistry. Um, the universe, so I, Batman and Superman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is definitely a top podcast for me. So uh, this was a thrill. A minute ago, it was the top podcast. Yeah, now it's just. <laughs> I mean, man, what what does Akiva bring to a, a podcast that you feel like is missing from the other podcast that I do? It sounds like you're asking that because you're genuinely curious. <laughs> yes, so I mean. I- well, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's something missing. I mean, every dynamic brings its own special thing, but I feel, I feel like both of you together have like a willingness to sort of get into the meaningless minutiae of a topic mm-hmm. and really sort of discuss it in a very dry and it's like kind of it rides the line of like, you know, how serious is it? Are you joking? So I really, I just, I just kind of delight in that. And it was like a perfect tone for discussing Seinfeld, which like has that as part of its humor. And um, I was so excited that you guys were able to bring, uh, you know, bring a new podcast into the RHAP universe after the Seinfeld one was finished. Yes. So would you say that this podcast is the spiritual successor to the TV show Seinfeld? Yes, I would say so. (laughs) There you go. Very much. Leading question, but we'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't hear any objections. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then Kiva is uh yes. I, I read in the 32 fans Facebook group that you are going to go ahead and you and Chester are going to start recording the 32 fan podcast uh, and uh, to re- release one a day. That's what we've always done, right? 32 we're doing 32 episodes in 32 days except every other year we have or at least come close to having um you know uh a a guest for each episode Mm -hmm. right yeah whereas this time we are basically going solo i i because i am uh between gigs yeah i am uh, i have a lot of time and i could basically name the all 22 stars on every nfl team now yeah and i'm going to be the expert and uh you know we don't have to worry about rob you can only imagine scheduling no i know i I don't even think you guys need to i feel like i don't think we need it either you guys could do five to ten people really add something about 10 guests would be neutral and then 12 would be like a net negative. <laughs> right. So. The, 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 there's only so many, you know, teams that have uh, fan bases that, you know, merit a podcast. And I, I feel like that you could do like a whole like, uh, you know, you could do divisions, uh, you know. Well, I, yeah, which we did that once. We actually did divisions with four guests you know, at a time. If you was, did an AFC South podcast, uh-huh. who, yeah. who, who would care? Well, I think I think what we should do is th- just 32 minutes per team, not a full like super long episode. But I think you do a one hour episode that's two teams. I think yeah, you know, one hour and four minutes. 
uh, in keeping with our 32. Uh, All right, but this is too much football talk for uh, Dr. Amanda. Uh, yeah, she spends her whole right. life trying to defeat football. Yeah. And, right. Uh, that's why she likes the show because, like, her life has meaning, and then we do silly things, and she likes <laughs> she likes to turn her brain off. Is that true? Did, um, is that right, Amanda? Um, you no, know, we well, it, it's, yeah, exactly. It's very, it's very thought provoking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at Akiva's bio on Twitter. He's now a serial influencer. Akiva cha- updates his bio on Twitter uh, more than Noah Syndergaard, more more than anybody else I know. I updated like twice a year. <laughs> what does it say now? Serial influencer. Is that good? <laughs> Fine. I want to be a serial influencer. I like. I want that to be my job. Yeah. I want like Crispix to call me and be like, "Bring Crispix back to the mainstream where we never were," and then I'm I'm there. Okay. Are you trying big, to uh, a big Mazel Tov to uh, Haley Strong, uh, past and future guest, got engaged this past week? Yeah. Congratulations to Haley Strong. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Haley. Okay. Does she want us to plan the wedding? Yeah, I mean, just email us and we'll plan it. We'll pay for it, whatever you want, Haley. Okay. Um, you just let us know. Did I tell you I went to dinner with three uh, past guests and one probably never guessed of this show last week also, right? Yeah, um, you know, I knew that the dinner was happening. I didn't hear anything about it, uh, which made me feel like, oh, it was just like uh, everybody was just uh, talking smack about Rob the whole time. So don't say anything about not, the dinner. Not at all. I don't know. I get, you know, it's it's not a big like social media crew. I think, yeah, I went out with Jessica Lee from the Jeopardy episode and Mike Bloom yes. from the from uh, from the uh, Brand Steel episode and Josh Wiggler from the the tweets are trash and Jordan Kalish from never been on this podcast before. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, we had, we had a good time. Okay. Um, you know what it is? I think because we're it was like an older crew. We're not like post 10 times the Instagram type of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Millennials. Uh, Gen, Gen Z has killed the as has killed the uh, instant like sort of. You know, I take my daughter. Who, I don't know what generation she Amanda. What generation is a 13 year old? I think that that's Gen Z. So I, we take her out to dinner and no one is allowed to touch her food until she's taken a picture of each person's dinner. That's not really how I live my life. Wow. That's how my children live their lives. Yeah, you cannot touch your food. Like if we get pizzas, like, no, 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 I need to take that. Like, and I don't know who wants to see these pictures of food. Like her friends care, but she sends them to her friends. I don't think they care either. Yeah. But uh, everything needs to be photographed. Yeah. Who's doing that? Your daughter? Yeah, my 13-year-old daughter. She takes a picture of every piece of food at her, like, if we go to a decent restaurant, everything has to be photographed before we can get, bite into it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like hell. Uh, well, I mean, uh, get you know, you'll whatever whatever the equivalent of of that is, you'll have to deal with it in eight years. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Well, I I don't want anybody <laughs> photographing my food. I've got yeah, a food. Yeah. No pictures of anybody's food in the Chester Nino. This house. is a no a no food podcast. Yeah, I don't need everybody weighing in on uh, what I'm what I'm having for all my meals. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So Akiva is on Twitter at key twenty six. Uh, Amanda, thank you again. We'll be back uh, next time to talk about the Oregon Trail. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 